Hello and welcome back to Blood and Ashes. This is episode 74, our big Crown of Swords finale. I am your host Mo, and I'm joined as always by my half-healed friends, Jody. Good morning, everyone. You sound half-healed. <laughs> and Vili. <laughs> I'm not half-healed. I'm fully healed since our last episode. So ready. <laughs> I'm loving Billy's energy. He is champing at the bit. <laughs> we are complete opposites today. <laughs> you I'm not going to talk swapped. a lot. <laughs> until it's my chapter that you're not going to hear anything from me. So maybe snoring. Well, guys, uh, we've done it. Another book in the books, I guess. <laughs> I suppose. I thought you were going to say in the toilet. <laughs> not at all. I mean, I read some of it in the toilet, but that's not relevant. Um, We are, as Vili said before this recording, halfway through our journey in the book seven. That is. 14. How long has it taken us? Two and a half years. Two years, five months, and 23 days. Feels so much longer than that. I didn't count that. I just made that up on the spot. That sounds very accurate. (laughs) (laughs) That's why yeah, it feels me. longer, because it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think we started in June, and it's now almost the end of the year. So it's yeah. about two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay, so we're looking we're looking at a five-year project here. Yeah, initially we said this would be a five-year project, and I thought, like, I haven't done anything but raise children for five years longer, or anything longer than that, But besides mm. raising children. I don't think there's a stage where I even have had a plant that old. Okay, now that's changed, but... <laughs> wow, what a journey. The rambles. this also marks the spot where for me was the first time i finished a book and there wasn't another one waiting book eight was the one that i had to wait for to be published before i could continue with the series where was that point for you guys um no look i started reading Uh, it way behind you guys so the first book that i got i didn't get from it wasn't gifted to me it was book nine bought for a friend of mine by his mom who um didn't know that there's a serious disorb new york best <laughs> salam bought book nine he was like fuck this shit chucked it in the corner i was like cool give me that book and that was my first book that i got because i you said read wheel of time i got wheel of time book uh-huh. nine and that was what just <laughs> came out so okay um oh god i don't remember when this was this was probably 2003 about there, mm, 2002, I would say. Call back. When was Winter's Night published? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> How about you, Joe? Book 10. And I went sh- I went book shopping with you, actually. Mm-hmm. It was in a bookshop in the mall in PE. Okay. Um, I can't remember yes. which, which shopping mall so that what was. What was that place called? Fantastic Books? Um Probably mm, that fan- sounds familiar. Was it familiar. fantastic? Sounds fan- something fantastic. A girlfriend that worked there at a stage. Where were the Sterkinikor? Yeah, cinemas? yeah, yeah. Right across the from bridge. the cinemas. Uh, no, no, in Warmer not Park. Not the bridge. Not the bridge. Green Acres. Warmer. Warmer I was in okay. Warmer. Mm. Okay. They had the the okay. the best bookshop right across the movies. Um, mm. Yeah, Lishka worked uh, there. Yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that going into a bookshop and looking for the next Wheel of Time book is such a often repeated and vivid memory. Like I remember that feeling, like doing a quick scan. Okay, where's the fantasy section? Walking through, mm, no new book. Okay, cool, and leaving. I mean, ever since I finished book seven, that was something that I did periodically for 
Years and years and years. Just think about how much our lives have changed in terms of finding out information. We didn't have to walk to the shop to see if something was out. Like we really <laughs> did that. We would walk to the DVD shop or the the blockbuster to uh -huh. see if that movie is out. And go or see. Walk to yeah. the walk to the bookshop to look if that book is out. No internet. I know. Or there was it seems weird. Like Africa an was alternate just dark. reality. <laughs> <laughs> it still is. <laughs> now, Billy, I was saying that just Moritz talking about like going to bookshops and looking for stuff. It was book nine that I found when I was in London in a tiny bookshop, probably as mm. wide as my bathroom. And wow. I went to the back. I like I can remember it clearly. Uh -huh. The whole the whole back wall was a bookshelf, and I found book nine and in brilliant hardcover condition. And I was like, what? And it was like, I don't know, like two pounds or something ridiculous. Nice. What's it? Book nine is Winter's Heart. Am I right? I think it's Winter's Heart. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not good with the book names. Like, they just go oh, book. I have the world, the great yeah. hunt, the dragon reborn, and then some books. And then at the end, there's a memory <laughs> of life. <laughs> Knife of Dreams? I have no idea where, what number that is. No, book that is. book's name is Knife Hands. Eleven? <laughs> sure, Moritz. <laughs> Knife Hands. Um, time for being a broken record again, but the encounter in the final chapter happened Quite differently to how I remembered. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I have a note on that. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I, Me too. I remembered Rand blasting Samuel with Balefire, but nope, that's not quite it. Mm -hmm. um, no. it. Well, there was a lot of Balefire used, so there was. You, I can understand. Yeah, there's things that, and I mean, we're going to talk at length at this, but I do not remember this ending. I have listened mm. to this ending uh, because I said initially I was going to jump ahead and just roll with it. Mm. The problem mm. that I found is I wasn't concentrating the same way I would do in prepping. So I would drift yeah. off while I'm sidetracked in a conversation mm. while working or something and then get back to it. And then yeah. I realized I'm not really listening and I, none of it makes uh -huh. sense. So I stopped doing that. And then I listened to it like intently and with a book in front of me and reading as I'm listening. And I didn't understand wow. the end still. I was confused by it. Like I was <laughs> very, very confused by it. Now I was confused by uh -huh. it back then. That's why I think I don't remember anything around it. And I had to go and Fair Google enough. a lot of explanations to that last chapter in the end to get a better understanding mm. of how and what killed Samael. So uh -huh. we'll get yeah. to it. All right. We will. Yeah. I'll. <laughs> yes, Jody. Well, he'll explain everything. He'll make it clear as day. Yes, uh, for sure. But before Jody explains anything, I better explain myself in today's double serving of everyone's favorite section called callbacks. First up, Vili, you told me that you had a callback you wanted to do and that I should remind you. Thank you callbacks i have a callback <laughs> not just one i've got two because i did like oh, i love it today is a big week so i'm so amped for <laughs> finale day that it's been since 7 30 it's the thing that's consumed me but it raised a lot of questions because i listened to back at lock episodes reading you know uh -huh, just uh -huh. a day full of it with no tv um fame more death the relationship mm -hmm. with mash and Mashada, mm -hmm. the relationship mm -hmm. with true evil. Wow. We delved into 
did Fane create the bubbles of evil and used it as his cover to attack? Well, the fog. We didn't. We said we didn't think it was a bubble of evil, but did Fane create the fog? Yes. What if? There is levels, and there is uncontrollable chaos. Then you get to mm-hmm. the Dark Lord, his minions, the Forsaken, and the Shadow Spawn, mm-hmm. but they are all mm-hmm. in a in a level of control. There's control throughout all of that. Mm-hmm. It's organized chaos, and then you have the light, mm-hmm. the good that is the opposite of the organized chaos. Mashin Shin and Mashadar we know falls outside of that organized chaos. It's an older, worse thing. If the boar had weakened the Dark One's prison, could the boar have weakened the prison of other things, other worlds, at the same time during the same event? Because mm-hmm. Fane hates the good evils, which I'm going to refer to the, the Forsaken <laughs> bunch. The, <laughs> the good the, evils. The, good the, evils. The, the evil with The stru- known evils. Yeah, the evil with structure. Yeah. Fane is mm-hmm. not structured. He's chaos. He's pure chaos. So mm-hmm. could he have manifested out of that, that when he became Mordet and the mm-hmm. connection between uh, Shadow Logoth, Mashan Shin, and uh, Mashadar, could that have affected him that he can actually summon things out of that domain, like the, the chaoticness that's out there? Because it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense that that happened right there and then. A bubble of evil, because it was random in its mm. natures in the past. But what if that mm-hmm. randomness can also be summoned? Like, yes, it's permeating through the boar and the seals. It with the dark one, these things are permeating through as well. But mm-hmm. because it's got a different origin that Mordet is connected to, that he can control that things because we know that the 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 the, the, the black wind and Masha and Shin doesn't affect him at all so no um i mean to give you a pretty short response i think so yeah. um <laughs> i i have always thought that whatever that fog thing was uh was more related to mashadar specifically mm. um and more death and the evil from Aradol and that sort of stuff. Um, we've actually got a callback from a, a an old favorite listener, uh, which speaks directly to this, because what we said was that the fog is very Mashadar-like. Fane seemed totally unfazed by it, and he was also present, obviously, before the fog was there. He dashes off when Rand arrives, and then later this fog arrives, right? Like So it's all very convenient. Mm. Um, and then Fane also runs off cackling into the fog again. Um what we said last time is that these creatures forming out of the fog is very different from just this sort of dumb Mashadar, right? Like the senseless being that Mashadar mm. is when it's in Shadow Logoth, as we'll get to in Jody's chapter later as well. But now, what I think it was Jody himself that said last time that, well, Fane is now controlling it and therefore mm. it's giving him some stuff. It's Richard Jackson that wrote in about it, and he's got his own theory that when Fane encountered Mashin Shin, he absorbed or uh, blended some of that mm. with himself as well, and that this manifestation of Mashadar is blended with Mashin Shin and Paden Fane. So it's like all these other things like acting together, just adding, sprinkling more flavor on what, where it comes from, Vil, we don't know. 
Or the or the actual white fog that rolls in mm-hmm. at Shadowlogoth and rolls in at the point when they at this this tent in this specific scene, the silk tent, mm-hmm. is the same thing. Um, and what is in it is that it is a gateway to something else. It's the hands, like a, a three-fingered hand came through and grabbed mm. someone, like weird stuff, big stuff. Like it's a different yeah, realm huge. of evil. Like it's it's so beyond explanation. I think it was Gerald that also wrote in, like it reminded him of Stephen King's Fog, The mm. Fog, you know? Like mm. there's also like huge mm. creatures in it and it's like, it's a blurring of realities, like two worlds yes. are coming together and these creatures are coming from another realm in this fog. This fog is like the harbinger of these other beings. Now in Shadow Logoth, the fog itself, as when we get to Leah and her end, her demise in Shadow Logoth later, a tiny tendril of the fog is touching her and she's mm. already convulsing and stuff. Yes. Where here, the fog within which these creatures are, the fog doesn't seem to be affecting anyone because it's not like Rand and Catswain and Min and those guys are moving around in a bubble where there is no fog. They're in the mm. fog. Mm. So that fog is touching, touching them, them and yeah, not having see. the effect mm. of Mashadar. So it's a bit different. It's weird. I think the only thing I can say at least for my own head canon, is that I think it is linked to Fane. It's certainly not exactly the same as Mashadar, mm-hmm. but I like this idea of it all being linked and Fane absorbing some of what Mash and Shin is and what Mashadar is becoming mm-hmm. something new altogether. And like you said, chaotic and definitely from another realm, right? This is not No, this, this is not from this, this realm. This is not uh from this it's area. It's not Sidin and Sidar, it's not the true power, it's not um Shadowspawn as we know them. I, and it is, it's not random enough to, for me, fit a bubble of you. It's mm. not like weapons flying around and inanimate objects moving and sort of the laws you know, chairs of you know, coming alive. That, Bub- bubbles of air is like chair coming alive and being a spider and eating you. And it's like, it's not yeah. things that come <laughs> out. It yes. is things yeah. around you that change. The thing mm. and manifesting. Mm. Now, yeah. the other callback that I'll quickly jump to because I'm not going to suck up yes. all your callback time. Alviaran's motives. Mm-hmm. Um, when mm-hmm. Elida uh, fucked up, like she does with everything she does. Which touches. time? Be more specific. Yeah, no, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna really <laughs> dial in on this one. Uh, she uh, really stuffs up in trying to capture Rand, and everything goes down at Dumas Wells. And Alviaran holds on to this information, um, and then eventually confronts Elida with it and tells her the whole story. When the one sister came back, okay, that was a prompt. Like, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. I know this. But that sister arriving back at the tower, whatever her name was, fucking something. Yeah. Um, that then pushes her hand. Like, look, okay, cool. We've got to talk about this now. But she knows that this has got the power to dispose Elida and still mm-hmm. her. And we mm-hmm. know the last time uh, uh, Amrilyn got disposed and stilled, what happened to a keeper? She got disposed and mm. stilled as well. With her. Mm. With her. So is some of this motives around her, not manipulation, but survival, like shit, if I don't take charge, I will be outed of my position of power. If I don't fix this, I'm fucked. Like, yes, the dark one might mm. save me, but I'm not the keeper to the Amberlin anymore then. No, you won't. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just thinking this through, as you said. I, I mean, certainly if LVR was the one to bring this information to the hall or something, she could plead innocence, right? She could say, I've I've outed this 
plot because it was hatched between Elida and Galena. Mm. Alviarin wasn't involved in that plot at all. I mean, not on the surface level anyway. They are, you know, like Galena reports to Alviarin on the Supreme Council of the Black Archer, right? So like they could have been having that conversation anyway. Mm. I get that, but at the same time, Leander also, she wasn't involved with Swan and Moraine's dealings and plans and everything. So she wasn't Who? so um, Leanne, the keeper to Swan. Oh, yes, yes. So she wasn't so involved with everything else, but she got the same treatment. So I'm thinking like it's kind of like you two, Zap, mm. still out, new in. I can't remember the exact scenario in which Leanne was swept up in that it's deposing. Just like you are the hand of the Amrilin. there? You got to you act as one. I suppose it's the balance of the tower that the Amberlin has someone keeping the records and advising her. It's like the action mm. and the 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 um, the counter mm. equation between the two. So if the the Amberlin therefore fucks up, everyone says, "Why? Well, where were you, keeper? Why mm. didn't you fix this? You have a responsibility." Oh, to account for the Amarillin's action. And it's like, it's, yeah, it just really got me thinking because I was listening to that whole, when we spoke about it, like her taking over and giving Elida come up and, and the way that it was written almost sounded to me like she saw a gap to do something and then went with it. Like it wasn't, mm. I don't, I don't feel like it was planned. It was like, okay, this is the time now I've got to do something because this is going to blow up. Um, anyway, those are my two callbacks. I never make it short and easy. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're all here, is to overly complicate the whole story for ourselves. <laughs> um, okay, Joe, did you bring anything? No. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Vol. Um Please do continue to bring shit to callbacks. Um, now, in my old callbacks from two episodes ago, I did call Samantha, who had strong opinions about Egwene and Elaine, Amanda by mistake. Apologies, Samantha. <laughs> um, the lady that died in the street when Rand was attacked by Paden Fane's white cloaks, seven people died in that street when Rand was attacked. Um, and only three of them were Aiel. Uh, at least one of them was a maiden, the one that sort of like took that arrow for him and smiled as she died. Um, the commoner woman that was lying in the street was in her middle years with a square face and a touch of grey in her hair. And Rand tells Nandira to take care of her family and to find out her name. So if he doesn't know her name, I guess they never did. Because mm. that's the context in which we brought this up, right? Yes. As I remember, there was a specific reference to a specific woman and not yeah. just, yeah, seven people died. Great. I didn't know that exact number, but I knew that our attention yes. was drawn to this one specific woman. Yes. Yes. Who we will never know who she is. <laughs> um, Joe, this was for you as well. When Rand goes to the Seafolk and meets two of the women with the same name, you thought that they might be mother and daughter. But Harin mm. Din Togara Two Winds is wave mistress of the Sifo clan Shodin. Her sister, Shalon Din Togara Morningtide, is her windfinder. So they're sisters. Ah, alrighty. Uh, and still with the Seafolk, you thought that um, they referred to the Arath Ocean as maybe the Cursed Seas, but specifically the Islands of the Dead, which is the Seafolk name for the Shaun Chan continent. So when they talk mm. about 
people never returning from the isles or the islands of the dead. It's specifically, they know the Shonchan continents are there and they don't go there because their ships never return. Then we asked, what the fuck is a longboat? It's a type of boat. place you put the sailor until he's sober. Is that the song? <laughs> it's a boat that is long. Put him in the longboat until he's sober. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. A longboat is what they used to row people to the boats. Because then... People and supplies. So they were used for transporting heavy weights. The two most important of these were casks of drinking water and an anchor and its cable. So the longboat usually had the largest passenger carrying capacity out of a ship's boats. Longboats were used by both warships and merchant ships, and they were fitted so that it could be propelled either by oars or by sail. So there you go. If you have a whole bunch of people you have to take over to a seafolk ship, a longboat's the way you're going to do it. Then... Uh, a quick correction, we were talking about David Hanlon and like how he becomes, you know, captain of the Queen's Guard or whatever it is. And we thought that maybe that was Talonvor's old position. Talonvor was not the leader of the Queen's Guard. He was just a lieutenant. Uh, David Hanlon does hold this rank at one point, but is promoted to captain eventually. It's when he saves Elaine's life from people that he sent to kill her. Like, you know, like he stages <laughs> saving her life. What a scumbag. <laughs> he, I mean, he's a dark friend. He's yes. an absolute scumbag. Murderous dark friend. The only rank above that is the Captain General. And that was the one held by Gareth Bryan and later by Birgitta. She becomes the Captain General of, of uh, Andor. Uh, and in the time of war, the first Prince of the Sword actually commands the Guard and the armies. So in a time of war, uh, Gawain would take over from, if it was Gareth Bryan at the time, which it is no longer, but he would take over from, mm. over from Birgitta. Listen, if I had to choose between Gawain and Birgitta, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Gawain. Um, then we asked, how does David Hanlon just waltz back into the palace in Camelon? Um, So under Margidian's orders, Hanlon reports to Millie Skane. She shows him the price of failure by killing, killing Jacob Carradin and torturing Falian Boda. She tells him to become one of Elaine Trackhand's men, and then Handlin begins working as a guard for Elaine under the alias Doylan Mellar. When she is attacked by three men, he fends them off, leading to a promotion to captain of the Queen's bodyguard. And then later, when uh, Elaine falls pregnant, there are rumors swirling around that it's him, and she doesn't quell those rumors uh. because they don't want people to know that the Dragon Reborn's kids are in her belly. So that's the whole I other thing. That. Mm. Oh, I remember yeah. something, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs> After being prompted. <laughs> <laughs> but I still remember it. It was in there. Yes, yes, it's it is hiding. there. It's locked away. Some behind. stuff is just not there, like at all. <laughs> even if you remind me. You'll be like, mm, it's news to me. <laughs> um, then I made a quick mention of the uh you know the dagger ungreal, terangreal that makes you invisible to shadow spawn that Gerald asked about. Like if you're holding it, can you see yourself in the mirror if you're a dark brain? <laughs> um Yes. It's called the Artham. The Artham is a terangrial in the form of a dull dagger that hides its bearer from shadow spawn and the shadow in general. It was created after Luz Theron's death and was eventually recovered from the kin's storeroom in Ibudar. Avienda discovered her talent for reading terangrial by examining the dull dagger. So Avienda realizes that she can understand what a terangrial does by looking at specifically this dagger. Um, Billy, you mentioned that Torum Wrighton fought Rand basically in his underwear and his sumo brooks, you called them. Um, he was still in his shirt and breeches. He wasn't quite in his undies. Um, Rand tells Cadswain that Luz 
Theron is real immediately after she slaps him for using the white hot light of justice. So Rand uses balefire and then Catswain comes over mm. and slaps him. And he's not like I sort of implied that he was eager to tell her. He sort of very coldly and calmly tells her, Lewis Theron sort of taught me this. He is real. Um, still keen to obviously let her understand that he is not mad, but we know better. Now, the biggest topic of discussion in our last episode Rand's wound. So, let me recount the descriptions of Rand's wound that we know of, at least in recent books. I went back to look for the the, uh, the size of the um, the scar, the round scar from Ishamal's staff. Um, I couldn't find mm-hmm. it after looking for a couple of minutes. <laughs> I stopped looking. So, I just focused on the, the descriptions we get in this book. So, Sumitsu's description in the field goes like this. The cut from Fane's dagger, no longer than her hand and not deep, ran right across the old scar. So I had made a mistake. I thought it was Min that compared it to her hand, but it's actually Sumitsu who's looking at the wound and comparing it to the length of her hand. Min could see the edges of the gash looked swollen and angry. And then later, this Sumitsu said in a lecturing tone, lightly touching the old scar, seems like a cyst, but full of evil instead of pus. And this, she drew the finger down the gash, seems full of a different evil. And then when Flynn rocks up, he stripped the sheet down to Rand's waist, exposing the wound. The gash looked neither better nor worse than, than she remembered. A gaping, angry, bloodless wound slicing across the round scar. Flynn traced his finger along the puffy gash in Rand's side and across the old scar. So you might be wondering why I'm going in so hard on this wound, but it's because it's referenced so often. And I want to make sure I have the right picture in my head. So it's a, it's a gash, you know, like it's a, it's a long wound, almost as long as Samitsu's hand that goes right across this puckered old scar. And I think, Vil, where you thought it was like a, a dome with just a nick over the top, mm. is maybe that description, the, the, the figurative description of it being like a cyst holding this evil. Uh, it's okay. not actually physically, literally mm. shaped like a cyst. Um, I couldn't find out exactly when Niande figures out that Tom killed Galdrian, but she was pissed off about it because it caused a civil war. Remember, she's the other Aes Sedai that's with Cadswain and uh, Samitsu, who was King Galdrian's advisor when um, when he was killed by Tom. And then Flynn's 15 wounds that he talks about, um, they're not all from lances. He just counted 15 serious wounds, which according to him, any wound that left you unable to walk or ride was serious. So 15 times he got so injured that he couldn't walk and he couldn't even ride a horse. Um, and also he could not have healed himself because you can't heal yourself. That's actually stated explicitly. Mm. That's all my callbacks for both episodes. Oh. But now we have some listener contributions. Righto. Quite a few. Get comfy. So, Ian Yellen writes in, says, Aiel societies probably pick their members like a U.S. college fraternity or sorority. I don't know what that means, but that's Ian's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched lots of American movies. Don't I kind of get it. Yourself? It's a hazing ritual. Though. No, but don't hazing you, is like, after you picked. You apply. You, you're in. You're in. Now no, you get hazed. Mm. Yeah, you don't get yeah, Ian, hazed let us know? to get in. I'll, I'll ask Jim. Let us know. How does that happen? In America, you should know. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Uh, Ian also says Elida's Black Archer hunt also roots out a bunch of the rebels' ferrets, and we learn about the re-oaths of the Black Archer. Um, Payton Fane is no longer a dark friend. He's a free agent of evil. I think we've covered that one to death. Um, and then Ian was thinking, doesn't Torum duel Rand because he thinks that Rand is a rival for Caroline's hand? But I went back and I read it, and it's um, when Torum spots Rand's sword, he challenges him and calls him cousin, because according to him, they will be cousins after he marries Caroline. 
this immediately after she told him to stop talking like that. So I don't think he's jealous. Like he, they're they're presented as cousins. I don't think he thinks that Rand is actually after Caroline. So it's not like a um, a competition for her hand or anything. But he certainly is a show. He's just a dick. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> just a garden variety dickhead. That's the one. Adam McKinnon writes in to say, I'm quickly catching up. I just finished episode 55 and something caught my attention. You guys mentioned a stool attacking Nynaeve, then it became wobbly after. I was wondering if it's the same stool that Egwene complains about later when she's Amarin's seat. It's a fun thought. <laughs> Remember when the bubble of evil attacks? <laughs> yes. Nynaeve, the stool is sort of like half busted after Nynaeve was sitting on it. And then later in the story... Egwene is just sitting in her study and the stool she's sitting on is also like constantly like buckling under her and stuff. So Adam thinks, oh, it could be the same stool. We will never know. It is now. <laughs> yes, no, it we is do now. know. That would be good though. I mean, it's like, like that is the most meta like detail remembering in the book <laughs> ever. Yes, like, I love it. Make it a rickety stool. We have now christened this <laughs> as canon. As canon. It is now the truth there. Okay, done. Right, then, Gerald, with a head-cold-induced backlog of shower thoughts, sends in the following. <laughs> Matt's Foxhead Medallion. Does it stop Balefire? Nothing stops Nothing Balefire. Stops Balefire. Not even a Foxhead Medallion. It's a weave. I don't believe it. It undoes weave. the medallion. It can't stop it. It's like, it trying to stop balefire but then the balefire undoes what it does as it hits it so it, but the balefire like, can't touch it and then balefire can't touch it so it can't the, undo it unless the balefire is so strong that it takes the medallion back to before it was made but it can only do that if it can touch the medallion but it's only woman that can't channel at him men can channel that matt no can't they we don't know that we don't know that so balefire can be made by men as well so will it's it's the same thing, balefire men, Ooh. balefire woman. What's the difference? Maybe, maybe there's balefire's the like a, its own little thing. The true, true power. power. Mm. The true power. Now that's the rogue element. So right? if you, that could happen. If you balefired that him with you know, obviously anything with the true power, it wouldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think okay. the medallion is exempt from balefire, it will not stop it. Like balefire is like the railgun of the world. It's like no stopping. <laughs> Based but, on zero evidence. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. Stated as empirical fact. <laughs> this is my opinion. Therefore, it is fact. I don't think so. I don't think, uh, barring the true power, I think a one power uh, balefire, I don't think touches the medallion. I don't think it okay. can. It's put, it out to, put it out to uh, our ETH out there. Hey, guys, tell us. Balefire. We just have. Oh, damn. <laughs> so um the duel between rand and torum was an awesome spectacle of rand's ability and it was interesting that the comment from jody i think about how torum wasn't in the flame and the void due to his cold fury i think we spoke about that last time which made gerald Mm. think of the difference between the jedi and the sith the jedi all meditation and calm and the sith all hate and anger which is a cool parallel does remind of that I, there's actually, I have a, a reference to that in my notes. <laughs> That's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> um, okay, then Gerald says, The Slog. Going back through the story now, and for some of these books, it will be my fourth or fifth read. I'm thinking that The Slog may not exist because there are so many nuggets of gold in the non-action chapters that have come out in these discussions that you guys have had. Yeah. 
To be fair, we as a podcast haven't hit the slog yet, but we're about to. That's my editorializing. Um, So then Gerald continues, as a first-time reader, you just don't realize that some of the information being supplied is foretelling things in the future or just giving the reader information that is actually useful. All I wanted to do was skip over, skip read over loads of those chapters and get to the interesting bits. I think I remember flicking through chapters in the early reads, trying to get past the boring looking for the bowl of the winds rubbish or trying to skip over chapters of nine even Elaine so I can get back to Rand chapters. This is a sentiment we have yeah. echoed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but this time around, mm-hmm. there are so many tidbits of intrigue to pick up on. So my response to that is like, let's hope that continues into books eight, nine, and 10, which is what I consider to be the slog. Eight, nine, and 10 to me mm. are the slog. And I think that's generally held... I don't think we're going to hit a slog at all. We're going to dive in so deep into the back end politics that we're going to open this up yeah. as a new read in a mm. a very big way. Because for me, it's like now I know nothing. I cannot from this point <laughs> remember anything that happens now. Like all the big events <laughs> is now It's out. blurry. Like yeah. now you all your big events that because I mean when we read it at first we also spoke at length about the big at events hours mm-hmm. and hours before a podcast <laughs> yes. even existed we spoke about huh. those big events but we didn't get time to speak working about in a that. surf shop whiling away the hours instead yeah. of serving customers nine hours a day standing and supposed to be hanging up clothes <laughs> stalking wheel of time and yeah. watching surf movies <laughs> uh, but yeah it's yeah. uh it's we didn't get a chance to speak about from book seven and like eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen no. The big events like that. So that, I think, to a degree, it hasn't solidified those things into our heads because we didn't hammer away at it for so long um, no. in discussion. I agree. I also think this is not going to be as sluggy as I remember. Mm-hmm. No. Look, it's impossible. If our job is to literally read and decipher and deep dive every single sentence. Mm. Plumb the depths for the gold. Yeah. Indeed. Gerald also says the wise ones using the power in battle. This one goes back to the discussion around Dumas Wells and if the wise ones would know how to use the power in battle because they don't participate in battles when it's clan versus clan. But I would expect they would still battle against Shadowspawn and therefore knowing how to create a fireball is a good idea. And I think we may even have said as much. That that happened Mm. in book four, now to mention it, when they get attacked at Cold Rock's Hold. That's the example I used. Do participate? Yes. Oh, right. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. I remember that because you said it recently. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. I incepted that memory. Um, then another one about Matt's Foxhead Medallion. This time it's about how it deflects the power. We know that any flows directed at him dissipate, but a rock thrown at him by using the power would be okay. As would, I assume, creating a sphere around him and sucking all the air out of it. The great discussion about creating a wall of air. Is it a wall of air or a wall of flows of air? And if he would be stopped by it. I have another point of view. If you create a sword from the power, would you be able to stab him with it? Like Rand's sword (laughs) that he makes or used to make from the power? I assume it is made from flows of the power so it would dissipate. What if you pulled out some ore from the ground to surround the tip of the sword and then poked him with that? So the power isn't touching Matt directly. (laughs) Gerald... Way too much time on his hands. this kind of shit in our lives. <laughs> hey, I'm, this is why I'm here. It's like, I'm, I'm there's a mechanic, and <laughs> I love it. I love that yes. to uh, make this so much of a bit. Like the problem with a lot of fantasy is that it is so out there that you cannot. There's no mechanic to what 
is happening on the screen sometimes or on the page. That's why I love this detail. I love this mechanic detail. And I love that you can sit and go through this and like, this doesn't make sense. There, there has to be something. Mm-hmm. And again, we I think we come up with a lot of conclusions ourselves just to satisfy our own curiosity. Um, uh-huh. I mean, after all, this is all fiction. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's, it's literally magic. <laughs> magic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, I agree with Gerald. I mm. think the, the flame sword, I don't think would work. But I think if you had to push no. something through Matt using the flame sword, that would have to work. Mm. But it's wouldn't a, the flame sword dissipate as soon as it got close? And then the little iron ore would just fall down to the ground. Maybe. Does it, does, do the flows actually have to touch... The medallion or do they come because i mean when they when they're using weaves on him they're not mm-hmm. aiming at the medallion they're aiming at him in general mm-hmm. so i think it's stuck on his body anywhere yes it is anywhere on his body like mm. yeah the, the, three, the medallion to has touch to his body touch or was it within skin. like a foot well the wording is flows directed at him mm. all right so it doesn't even have to touch him mm. they need to do more Just experiments Mm, no. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> to poke him with more things. Guinea pig, Matt. <laughs> yes. I'm with Elaine on this. I'll touch on this when we break down my episode um, when the Sean Chang attack, or not my episode, my chapter. Mm. Um, we'll. Mm-hmm. I want to break this down as well because he is channeled at by uh, um, Sean which and the medallion goes cold. He isn't hurt, mm. but everything around him, obviously, he had broken and fallen, and he's covered by the debris of a falling wall. So, mm. the the the, mm. the even in event that things is thrown at him, I probably just think about like air going around him and joining up the weaves go like just split around oh, him yeah. and mm. go off him. So, yeah, nothing ever weaves really touch touches him. anything. Like we know that in the world of physics, nothing can touch anything. It's Atoms quantum mechanics, man. Propel each other. <laughs> so there has to be a atomic force on the nucleus or something at that point for it to say, okay, you're this close. Okay, and then mm-hmm. the atoms actually react to the other atoms and say, not today. You will pass around me. I am not empty space. And then the physics mm-hmm. of it work. So there we go. Ah, there we there go. go. It's not magic. It's physics. Yes. Magic <laughs> physics. <laughs> magic physics. Isn't all physics magic? Yes, it is. Yes. All of it. None of it. I can believe I can believe anything. Because I think they can write something at mathematics. Now it's real. Come on, man. You read some fantasy. Insert that clip of of Philip Philip J. Fry going, Magic, got it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then Gerald also says, I was thinking about the oath rod that the Aes Sedai bind themselves on. And if they really wanted to make sure there was no black archer, then surely you could just have everyone re-swear on it every year or something. I mean, how difficult would that be? But that would be admitting there is a black archer, which That's they exactly, don't want to do. That's exactly my point. They are in complete denial. So mm. like another core shaking admission that that holier than thou attitude is fragile and that they are not in fact better than everyone else. They are also susceptible to um, falling prey to their... The machinations of the dark, of the mm. shadow. Um, and then, the return of the prodigal son, or in this case, the prodigal delivery man. It's Richard Jackson with a couple contributions. Uh, he says, I've always pictured Randland practice swords as bamboo shinai used in kendo and other martial arts. And yes, they hurt. Mm. Same here. 
And then Richard says, I don't think Kat Swain is referring to the strength and the power when she's talking about Amis, nor does Kat Swain ever really put down Wilders just for being Wilders. The worst she says is that, the, that she wishes that they were tower trained. Both can be attributed to her being humbled by a toothless Wilder shortly after her attaining attaining the shawl, mm. which is also where she acquired the paralysis net, which she wears in her hair, which we've mentioned before as well. Um, so the wording from the story is, I would like to meet the Sorrelia. She is a strong woman. She seemed to emphasize the word strong. I do still think that she meant strong in the power, but I agree that she is not nearly as flippant about the wise ones as the other Aes Sedai. Yeah. And being humbled by that Wilder certainly left an impression on her. In many ways, her experience with that Wilder shaped her. Um, she learned a lot from her and over some time, it seems like. Um, so from the fandom wiki on Cadswain, it says, fairly soon after she had attained the shawl, she suffered a humiliating lesson from a toothless Wilder named Norla, who lived in the Black Hills. Norla's tutelage helped shape Cadswain's composure and skills beyond tower training, which to me seems like it implies that she spent some time there learning from her. Mm. Uh, then Richard said, Rand's wound. I'd always thought that the wound Rand received from Ishamal was about an inch in diameter, but also inflamed, so about three to four inches total in diameter. I'm fairly sure there is an actual reference somewhere in the text to the literal diameter of the wound, and I cannot remember it, but yes, Richard, I agree. I thought maybe mm. two, three inches, that that area. I remember when we read the section that I'm talking about now, I was shocked at how much smaller it is than I had always pictured it. Because, I mean, it never describes the thickness of Ishamal's staff. A staff can be, like, thick enough for you to not get your hand around because it was like a charred black staff that he was using. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, it can also be only an inch or even less. But also, like, it's it's not a, a arrow wound. It's a magic wound. Like, it never heals because it's filled with evil. Like, what he stabbed mm. him with is also dark and Sharalogoth Blady mm -hmm. or same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it mm -hmm. might have, for all intents and purposes, been a very small penetration mark, but because of the mm -hmm. evil, like, spread to be like this massive wound. Because for me, it never made mm -hmm. sense that if you blunt force trauma someone with a 10-centimeter diameter thing, you're dead, motherfucker. You ain't surviving That's that. You take your liver out the back of your back. You don't live without that's bludgeoning a liver. damage. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not piercing damage. Cancelled. <laughs> but if it's a smaller <laughs> thing that that stabs you, enters, doesn't go all the way through, and it's like a little spike wound, but it's got evil festering. Then wound. yeah, then it was yes. a, it, it was a puncture wound, and Lanfear treated it at the end of the Great Hunt. When she comes mm. in there, when Min is lying in bed with with Rand, Lanfear comes in and she does something, and she half mm. heals it and sort of contains the evil as well. So. The, the the healing that Flynn does also has a physical effect on the gash that mm. um, that uh, Peyton Fain inflicted on Rand. So, like, these healings do, while they can't heal them completely, certainly have an effect on the actual scar tissue and the actual physical manifestation of the wound. Um, then Richard says here, what I was referring to before, remember that Fain is not just a product of Shal Ghul and Mashadar, but also of Mashin Shin, which seems to have a primitive intelligence. See the Great Hunt, Chapter 33. I believe the mist fog he uses is a combination of Mashadar and Mashinshin. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Then he also says, I think Flynn talking while he heals is similar to what Nynaeve did while healing Logan, Swan, and Lian. She's actually thinking of other things, and the distraction allows both to work uh, more from instinct. 
And I'd forgotten that. It's yeah. true. Nynaeve does sort of like her mind is wandering. She's when she's doing uh, when she's heals Logan the very very first time. Her mind mm. is somewhere else, and it's written very explicitly in that way that she's not paying attention to what she's doing. Almost does it just by feel. Uh, and then the last one from Richard is Calandor. We don't know who made it, only that it was made sometime during or shortly after the War of Power. I also don't believe that every Aes Sedai who went over to the Shadow announced it the moment that it happened. So it's quite possible that the one that one of the 29 chosen that had been granted access to the true power and not yet revealed their, conver- their conversion had a hand in its creation. This works regardless of when it was made, as not all the Forsaken were sealed in the bore, only the 13 most powerful. So... Yes, that's, I guess, enough wiggle room for an Aes Sedai that hasn't been outed as a uh, dark friend yet to be involved in the making of um, of Kalandor and somehow infusing some kind of access to the true power um, in it. A, the- that's a point that you made that I actually read about in prepping for these notes about mm-hmm. when, they, when they went over to the Shadow, they didn't announce it. <laughs> Samael, for example, they only found out that he was... A forsaken mm-hmm. four years after he swore his oaths wow that's a long ass time because he left the gates the gates open to a city he let a city die and it's only when he did that that they realized oh shit so he'd been a, you know a, a spy mm. for four years in the high command of the light wow and it's the moment when they when they made loose there in the general of the forces of the light and because he used to be it that he went mm-hmm. no fuck this noise mm-hmm. and he actually went with grendel she took him to shail ghoul Yes. And now they're working together in these books mm-hmm. again. It's like, hey, the team's back together. <laughs> However so, yeah, reluctantly like Grindel years. might be doing it. But yes, fuck, I mean... So they, who knows what the other ones did? Maybe some How long they it. were hidden and... Yeah, Grindel uh, does all of that under duress, unfortunately. Yes, she does. She's not really the team player. She's more kind of After like being the... manipulated by some <laughs> Yeah. Straight well, up it's not an issue her. anymore. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, well, that was a marathon callback section, so let's quickly sprint through previously on Blood and Ashes. Rand and Torum write and duel with practice swords, and Rand is able to easily fend off Wrighton's attacks despite wearing his coat and gloves. But during the duel, the tent they are in is pulled into the sky and an unnatural fog descends on the encampment. Fog begins tearing people and animal to pieces and even some Aes Sedai unable to escape the death and destruction. Rand, Min, Caroline, Darlin, Cadswain, Samitsu, and Nande are all in one spot and start fighting back together, even after Torum Wrighton is with them, shouting for Gerald Mordeth, who disappeared soon after Rand and Min's arrival. After a couple of skirmishes during which Rand uses Balefire and gets slapped by Cadswain for doing so, Wrighton runs off while he, when he realizes who Rand is. Soon after, Fane comes leaping out of the fog and slashes Rand's side. After a warning shout from Min lets him twist away from the brunt of the attack, Fane disappears, cackling into the fog, and Rand collapses immediately and starts looking like death from the Shadow Logoth wound. Samitsu immediately applies what healing she can, but she fears it won't be enough. The wound is beyond her considerable capability as a healer. The group form a defensive formation with Darlin carrying Rand on his shoulders, and they make their way up the slopes of the hill they are camped below in an attempt to get above the fog. They eventually do. The mist then starts creeping back, and Caroline looks at the the destruction left in its wake and laments the destruction of her so-called army. Darlin tells her that she has an army waiting in tear if she needs it. They make their way to the road where they pull over a farmer on his cart, pay for his goods and leave them by the side of the road as they pile in and settle for the Sun Palace. When they get there, Rand is rushed to his rooms where he is cared for. Soon after, Amis, Bera, Karuna arrive after hearing about Rand's condition. Bera and Karuna are soon sent off to Soralia. Amis and Katswain have an interaction where neither backs off the other, but they treat each other with mutual respect. Deshiva arrives with Narishma and Dharma Flynn in tow. He orders Flynn to see what he can do about the wound, much to the consternation of the Aes Sedai. 
But Flynn starts his work and manages to stabilize Rand completely, much to Sumitsu's surprise. She immediately starts interrogating Flynn about what he did, and everyone can rest a little easier. Meanwhile, Matt is on his way to meet the party, heading to the to the Rahat to retrieve the bowl of the winds. He's deeply embarrassed about his relationship with Thailand and how everyone seems to know about it. He arrives at the stables where the coaches are being prepared for departure. A couple of his men, Beslan, Nalesian, Elaine and the kin are all present, but no Nynaeve. He interrupts Elaine's conversation with the kin to ask about Nynaeve, only to be interrupted by a servant bringing Matt a basket of food sent by the queen. Nynaeve arrives with Lan on her arm, much to Matt's shock. When they're all on the coaches, Lan has joined the men. He tells Matt that he and Nynaeve are married and that Morgidian killed two of his men. She could still be lurking. When Beslan asks Matt if he's not going to read the note from his mom, uh, his mom sent, Matt does and is mortified and pretends to take a nap while he hides under his hat. When they arrive at the river, ready to cross to the Rahad, Elaine gives Matt shit about his abhorrent behavior toward the queen and threatens to renege on her promises of cooperation if he doesn't change his ways. Matt snaps and tells her it's him who is being hounded by her. Elaine stifles a laugh and Matt is again mortified. Even so, Matt offers her the medallion as protection from Magedian, but she declines saying that it would not feel right with no medallions for Nynaeve or Avienda. They make their way to the house they found in Teleronriad, but soon after heading in, they are attacked by Falion and Ispen and a gang of dark friends. While Elaine and some kinswomen head upstairs to find the bowl, the Black Archer sisters and thugs battle Matt, Nynaeve, Lan and the Red Arms. They hear a scream from upstairs and when Matt gets to the hallway at the top of the stairs, he finds Elaine and the others in piles on the floor, thugs carrying everything out of the room and a golem. The golem tells Matt his master wants Matt dead as much as he wants Elaine captured, so they fight and in the process Nalesian comes upstairs and is killed by the golem. Matt is not making much progress against the Shadowspawn until the medallion touches the golem and it recoils in pain. When it makes for Elaine, Matt stalks it, swinging the medallion, and the golem flees. First, Nynaeve, then Sumiko come upstairs and start healing Elaine and some of the kinswomen. Elaine finds the bowl in the storeroom, and she thanks Matt from the bottom of her heart for saving her and the others. They decide it's a good idea to get the hell out of there. And that brings us to our first chapter today. Chapter 39, called Promises to Keep. Bill, do you promise to keep us entertained with a summary? Yes, I sure do. Okay, um... Now, I'm going to just quickly run through this chapter. I'm not going to try and make this too long because we've got a lot to talk about, uh, and especially a bit later. Uh, point of view, Matt. Uh, Matt is uh, in the Tarasan Palace, and Matt wants to get moving. Matt doesn't, like, we found the bowl, make a gateway, and get out of here. But there's other plans. <laughs> Matt doesn't get to to do what he wants to do. Um, Matt is very happy that he's in a room with his medallion now because there's just woman who can channel from various parties. We're talking uh, Aes Sedai, we got there, we got the, the Wilder's kin, and now we've got the, mm -hmm. the Wave Mistresses and their Windfinders that can channel that's in the mix there. Mm -hmm. And um, the discussion then now gets up to this golem like a fierce discussion and disagreement about a golem and what it is. And Merrill mm -hmm. says, like, I don't believe it because if Catswain doesn't know about it, it's not real. Uh, Matt, again, Elaine standing there, but daughter is very quiet, lost her tongue. Mm -hmm. She's not saying much, but that's her plan. She's like, no, no. All we're going to do is stand at the back and let Matt loose. And Matt's hating this mm -hmm. because now he's starting to pick up on this because he's looking at Nynaeve, who's not grabbing braids, um, and Elaine, who's kind of like twirling thumbs. Look, he's like, mm -hmm. oh, he hates, he hates being used. But anyway, um, Matt enlightens all the Aes Sedai of a golem and tells them, and he read it in a book. 
now um, the the sea folks are none too pleased. And the lady, her name is uh, Renayalden Kalon Blue Star. So I'm gonna call her Bluey. Mm-hmm. Bluey is not stoked <laughs> that Matt is um, advising that they run away from the water. Everyone has to leave. Let's get away from the city. There's a golem. It's still alive. It's still loose. Let's go where no one, the Black Archer or the Golem, knows we are so that we can get away from it. That's a sound plan. I I have no problem with that plan. However, no one wants to agree with Matt. And this is where Matt now gets a little bit pitched. Is it a bit pitched? A little bit pushy? Um, Pitched. Yeah. Um, Pitched is like sulky. Yeah. No, not sulky. Then it's not petulant. Um, obnoxious is more what I'm going for. No, he's annoyed. Yeah, he's annoyed. Yeah. He's 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 pushing like we have to move. Um, but now, Renaila challenges him. As I said, on this information, he brought up the book situation. They didn't dig that. Um, now, Matt, as I said, he doesn't understand this why of him being the only man in the room, the only guy that's got to be there. And as I said, Nynaeve and Elaine are twiddling thumbs at the back. Um, and at this point. He decides, all right, he's just going to walk up and he's going to just whatever flows. So Matt walks up to Renala and says, you guys can channel, right? And they're like, yes. It's like, now this is the first thing. Ask those eyes who die behind me, how much, ask them how much I care about that. And everyone at the back's quiet. And she's like, well, you, who am I, I speaking to here? I'm not, why am I making a bargain with this oakum picker, Nynaeve? She says, now, do you know what an oakum picker is? Mm-mm. It was punishment in the 1800s for people to pick oakum, which I, from what I understand, is picking apart hemp. Like, it's a, it's a okay. torturous job because at the end of the day, your hands bleed. And oakum is used with tar to knock into the woods, paneling between the woods mm-hmm. to seal a boat. Right. So there's a lot of yeah. boat reference here. So she calls him an oakum picker, which in England in the 1800s was also used as punishment, like a type of corporal uh-huh. punishment. You're going to work as your uh-huh. penance. You're going to every day pick so many ounces of oakum. And it you you bleed every day. People apparently had welts, massive black welts on their fingers from doing this job. Um, now we've got mm. machines doing this shit. Now um, Matt, then after that insult, being called a, a prisoner, low body, uh, lets mm. lips rips loose, and he calls her the daughter of the sands. And you're gonna listen mm. to me now. I don't care about your other bargain. This is the bargain. You will do what I tell you to do, and you will go with Nynaeve and Elaine, or I will put you and your crew on a horse and pack you up there. Like, and he <laughs> then literally like seals the deal, kisses his finger, slaps it on her lip. But before she's so angry at this point, when he called her the, the daughter of the sands, that she pulled her blade. She's like, right, that's mm-hmm. it. Dagger out, she goes for Matt. Matt quick hands, chow, karate, disarms her, shoves her in the chest straight back into her seat and lets down this law. And then after mm-hmm. this, lips to the mouth kiss, she does the same. She's like, oh shit, I just made a bargain with a Tveran. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. guess mm-hmm. guess we are going 
off the water and into the land. He says, um, in the time of war, even the mistress of the ships listens to the master of the blades. And, and the blade, I am the master of the blades. And the blades yes. are bare. That's the last thing. And the thing. blades are bare. And the blades are bare. bare. So it's time of war. So, you don't, you don't, you're not in control. So yeah. I love that. Great. Uh, but now they mm-hmm. don't know where mm-hmm. they're going. So various ideas gets put forward. <laughs> we go to this palace. No, we go to the Camelin, Elaine. No. Uh, Avienda's like, hey, let's go to Ruidian. The poor windfinders like start <laughs> so far from the ocean in the middle of the desert. No, that's but not it's got know. water now. It's fine. There's a lake next to it. In yeah, there's a lake in Alice, but it's not the not the salt lake. It's a freshwater lake. Uh, but no, uh-huh. that's 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 not going to work um, until one of the kin says, "Hey, we've got a spot that no one knows about. You know, place where women go for contemplation. That's all that people know, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people know about it. So we got a spot." And there's comfortable rooms. It's like it's set up perfect for the situation. And they all agree. Mm-hmm. And Matt doesn't pack up the ladies onto a horse. And uh, they are going to go off. But they're going to go say their goodbyes, get their things. Tom is there getting all his things. He teases Matt. He said, like, oh, you left your ring behind. It must be a gift from Thailand. Rags Matt a bit about that. Um, he's like, no, I bought that with my own money. You know, this is the ring that he couldn't get off his finger back in the day when he was just trying on things and became his signet. Mm-hmm. Uh, then um, he does his little goodbyes with Thailand. She tells him that she'll really miss him and he's really uh, handled himself so well and what, what. And he's like, yeah, I'll miss you too. Quite nice. And next time I do the chasing. So they do their little goodbyes. And the last thing to do is let's get Oliver and get out of here. But Oliver's not in the apartments where he's, what was her name now? Rizelle. Rizelle. The ample bosomed Rizelle is alone in the room. And there's no, <laughs> there's no. And she's like, well, why should I have kept him here? Like, he's done his words. He's done his sums. Like, he's mm-hmm. done school. He's allowed to go out to town. So he's a little urchin out in town now. He likes to give away his mm-hmm. coats when he goes and cuts loose. He, he yeah. is a little mat. He's matting around. That's town. so clear. Yeah. So now he he needs to be found. And firstly, Avienda is telling Matt that he doesn't look right after the kid, and he doesn't do anything right. But okay, just before this, quickly, uh, Lope, Lope, is it um, uh, Nerim's? Uh, no, what was his name now? The the the, the servant man, uh, Lopin. We've got mm-hmm. Lopaz. We've got Lopin. Lopin and um, Nerim. Uh, Lopin asks if he can stay behind. Uh, when they decide to move because he would like to see Nelisi and pour one out for a homie. Uh, properly buried. He was a good master. Like yeah. he's doing what's right. And he's like, okay, cool. That's fine. But I, we, we got to move. And I'd love for you to be in my service uh, to look mm. after Alba. And this prompted, hey, where is Alba? Uh, so I just glossed over that mm. real quick. But anyway, anyone's out mm. looking for, um, for, for Alba now. And Matt wishes he was on pips because he would be able to to scan higher through the Malhara, but then it's difficult to speak to people and he's gone around and he's asking left and right and eventually he gets to a man that tries to sell him apples and the apples are so, so soft and old it looks like it's falling into his fingers, but anyway. Um, and there's thunder and there's like crashes and all the rest Eventually, Matt gets to the front of the docks on the riverside where there's all the various docks. And guess what's on the other side across the bay? Square-ripped sails. Dun, dun, dun. 
<laughs> there's or fucking harder. Like, okay, there's Sean Shans here. Uh, half the people think it's Isodai attacking, the other half thinks the white cloaks are coming, the other is Jesus attacking, everything's happening at once. But Matt knows there's only <laughs> the second coming. There's only one thing. <laughs> it's the rapture that he needs to do. And he's, he's like, I should not have worn green because I look like the, the, the gods and I need to get away. And with that, he sees there's Toe Rockin' flying. There's people channeling off this Toe Rockin' and Rockin' like mm-hmm. throwing fireballs and lightning it's like oh fuck get out of here this is no good this is no good and then his metal goes cold against his chest and a falling of litter and rocks and crap and matt is trapped the end of that chapter it's the wall of an inn buried alive mm. The whole wall of an inn topples in on him in the alley that he's running down. And he thinks, where's my bloody luck? Exactly. Where's my luck? He has enough time to think. But he's alive. (laughs) Matt, you're alive. Your luck is good. Yes. Yeah. And that is the last we see of Matt until, I think, book nine. or Like, there's no Matt in book eight. Yeah, because he died. Yeah. The end He's not coming back ever again. (laughs) Do you have anything to add in there, Joe? Not really. No. <laughs> pipe, pipe down, Jody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's basically covered it all. They they go out and then the Sean Chan attack and all he shit. Has. Cut the hell, you know. And then uh, and Jesus comes back and it's the end. <laughs> um, okay, I'll rattle off a couple here. I won't keep us here too long. But um, the the dice in Matt's head are rolling louder and louder and it's making him anxious. And he's like pulling at his, at his scarf and stuff. You can tell like there's this claustrophobic feeling that Matt knows something's about to go down. Um, Matt notices that Elaine and Nynaeve seem to have bathed and he's shocked, you know, <laughs> since they've come back to the, to the city from their heart, but they've been there for three hours, Matt, and they can channel. So, you know, like <laughs> getting hot water is not an issue. But Matt says in that, that they weren't out of his sight. For more than a minute. So my question there is. If these yeah. girls just moved on. To just use the power to clean themselves. Three times a day. Like it's. Oh they could. Oh well that they, they clearly do. Nynaeve did it in front. Before Lan right. came. And then she did it again. Before she got there. Elaine did it. Everyone's just looking fresh. I mean it's I hot. also don't think that they weren't in Matt's. Out of Matt's okay. sight for a minute. I don't. I can't remember Matt saying that, but certainly if he's thinking that, that's like a Mattism, right? Like that's not mm. factually correct. Yeah, I think the error lies with Matt. Yes, yes. They were, he thinks he's got an eye on all time. of them all the time, <laughs> which he does not. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. Merrill has never heard of a golem. Um, it's uh, something older than what the Aes Sedai even know about. And it's only because of mm. what Birgitta told Matt that he knows. Matt's memories yeah. only stretch back to the Trolloc Wars. Um, so Matt doesn't remember anything from the War of Power or anything that far back. So it actually is only Birgitta that knows. Mm. And she gives him all the information. She's the only person that knows what that was. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sumiko, remember the kinswoman that is good at healing, this mm. sort of second in charge, mm. the one that actually becomes the leader of the kin when um, Rianne Corley is killed. She's not so cowed by the Aes Sedai anymore. She's described as sort of like yeah. being, she's a little bit disillusioned with this Aes Sedai thing. And I think the combination of the longevity thing, uh, plus the fact that she seems to know more about healing than most Aes Sedai, 
is maybe breaking the spell for her a bit. So I'm going to keep watching Sumika. She's always been the one that sort of, she's broken the rules of the kin, right? She's not supposed to study healing or mm. anything like, but she has anyway. Now she's finding out the Aes Sedai are not all that cracked up to be. Okay, maybe I'm not going to be so subservient and, mm. def, you know, defer to them all the time. Matt actually thinks that um, on the boat, on the way back from the Rahad, that this sort of attitude from Sumiko is what Nynaeve was talking to her about because she had a sort of like speaking to her in hushed tones in the back of the cabin. But I think Nynaeve is quizzing her about healing. You know, when she saw Sumiko healing in that hallway, she was like, whoa, where did you learn how to do that? And then they, you know, like yeah. Nynaeve's insatiable hunger for learning about healing um, would have trumped any kind of, you know, bone of the winds chat or like how what Sumiko's attitude to the Aes Sedai would be. Um, I really enjoyed Matt recognizing exactly the position, the rank, the clan, etc., from the sea folk jewelry and the tattoos and stuff. Like he's looking at the medallions and he, from his old memories, he knows exactly what all of that means. Um, and he also notices that the the sea folk are looking at the ice eye smugly. So I'm assuming that the the um, sea folk think that they got the better of the bargain that they had made, which comes back a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Matt knows that at least two of the sea folk did not belong in this group. So when he looks at the sea folk woman, he's like, two of them are dressed super plainly and don't actually fit in with the rest of them. And I'm assuming these two can also potentially channel and that maybe the Aes Sedai, like Nani and Elaine, or maybe even Mary Lil and those guys noticed this. And they're bringing these, these um, sea folk closer now because part of the bargain that we haven't read about yet is that some of these windfinders will also go to the tower for training. Like they are now mm. going to start training each other and learning from each other. So I think they're pulling not not yet raised windfinders into the mix as well. Like any sea folk woman they come across, they can channel is coming along now. But he recognizes them as as like trainees. Yes. By the way that they dress. Mm. But I think the fact that they are here and not still on the boat is because they're coming with Elaine and Nynaeve to mm. be trained by Aes Sedai. Oh, mm. okay. Yes. Okay. Which is part of the bargain. Yeah, I got the same thing. Like they don't want to... They don't want to go into the land, but the bargain has been struck. So this is the before bargain with with Nynaeve and them. There's not the Rand mm. visit that mm. he had with the the sea folk and that the who did he leave one of the Aes Sedai to carry on with the bargain that they had there. There's bargains being struck everywhere now with the sea folk. It seems. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Matt says to all the women, "I can't protect all of you at once." <laughs> okay Matt take, take it easy you don't have to protect everybody <laughs> just stop taking on responsibility or anyone <laughs> yes <laughs> says the man that ends up under a wall yes yeah <laughs> everyone else gets out fine <laughs> um, when Riel um, Bluey when she agrees to the bargain that, that Matt makes with her um, she agrees but her eyes are bulging so you can tell she's subject to uh, Matt's Tavera nature here which is exactly what Elaine and Nynaeve are playing at they're like oh mm. Matt can this mm. Tavera thing can really work for us let's just push him out in front mm. and let him do all the talking um, and it's cool to see Matt's Tavera nature have this effect on people's um, attitudes and stuff because we just saw it with Rand in the bargain with uh, Harin yeah. um, and we saw it with Perrin when he was uh, corralling all the farmers outside of the two rivers when the Trollocs were attacking mm. and he was going around amassing support and everyone sort of just put him in front as well and let him convince everybody and they just went along with it it's cool matt now gets his time mm. to shine as a taverin as well influencing people i think that these taverin obviously influenced the situation but a lot of it was his Absolutely. knowledge of the sea folk that he had like yes hauling her a daughter of the sands and a bilestone mm-hmm. and the, there's so many yes. words because she throws <laughs> the first insult calling him an oaken picker uh, when he yes. does, she does that. 
he goes daughter of the sands bilestone like and then eventually she calls him a bile boy like they throw bilge boy bilge boy this bilge bile that's what's bile bug bilge 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 the bottom of a ship there's a g in it yeah it's like uh, isn't the bilge okay open for corrections here and and callbacks but isn't the bilge is like the bilge pump is like Pumping everything out of the bottom. Uh, everything. Of the boat. So you've got the the, yeah. the 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 where the water meets a boat down mm-hmm. is the bilge. Yes. And bilge yes. water is what fills this thing. A bulge. I call it bulge. I don't know. I pronounce word wrong all the time. Um, then you have a bulge pump in there that will pump it out, which is a standard yes. thing in both. But what is a bulge stone? A bulge stone. Is it just the 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 the, the balancing weight? Like the. Because Maybe like a ballast, ballast weight in there. Um, mm-hmm. I can just think that it's a mm-hmm. like pretty a name Pull for backs. a pretty pointless thing, like because it's yeah, used deep, as deep an down insult. at the bottom of the boat, right? Like, yeah, you you yeah. like down there. You like the shit in the water. The captain isn't down there. The shitty the shitty job mm. is down there. In yeah, the you're a you're a you're a bilge boy. You're the one picking the stuff. Yes. You're, you're picking the freaking bucket out the bilge with the bucket emptying it. carrying the bucket, bucket up the ladder, up the ladder. tossing ladder. it over the side down again yeah mm. after that whole thing Nynaeve says to Matt what made you think of bullying them you could have ruined everything are you kidding me Nynaeve <laughs> and then Matt fires back with maybe if he'd made the deal with them it wouldn't have been as bad as what they got and he hits the mark because Nynaeve immediately goes like red and sort of like looks away and he thinks to himself, ha, not bad shooting blindfolded. Like he took a guess and he was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, then another parallel between Oliver and Matt. I think it's Rizal or someone says, Oliver sets a great store by his promises. Like exactly like Matt. I've noticed here Nynaeve still fighting her urge to pull her braid. I read later, I think it's in the beginning of book eight where I read that it's specifically around Lan mm. where she's trying to not let her anger fly. Another great memory-enabled interaction with Birgitta giving the Barashandan Lord response, you know, when she says truth's honor or something mm. like that, he gives her the true mm. like Barashandan Lord response. And it's something, it's just the two of them that know that. Mm. And the other, like yeah. this puzzled looks on Elaine and Nynaeve and that's such a bonus. And I just love that Birgitta has kept his secret and Matt goes from mm. the interaction, he goes. But, and he keeps okay, hers. It looks like she hasn't shared it. It's yes, the exactly. same. They keep so I just love their little... Yeah, like for me, with that little interplay there, um, Matt's obviously going to, and he's like, no, I said I can come with us because there's still the golem loose. Like, you guys get ready, get the fuck Mm. out of here. We're going to go look for Oliver and we'll get the directions to where we're going afterwards. So he sets up his whole plan there. But um, he tells Lan and Begita as warders, look after them. Yes. And then if Avienda just Avienda like pipes up, who's that? And I'm like, yeah, don't worry. Oh, I got this mic. Don't worry. I will. <laughs> <laughs> like this. And that's Classic. where that Barashan and Lord um, Oath almost comes out. And like that is so cool mm. for me. But Avienda is like, hey, I can be anything. I can be Asada. I can be a warrior. I can be anything. It's actually nice to see Avienda sometimes just being a bit clueless. You know, like, mm. Avienda, pipe down. This is a Matt and Birgitta thing. Mm, but still, I I have no doubt that Avienda would hold her own between those two. Like she can kick channel. ass and channel. She's <laughs> the most powerful person in the room there, considering those two facts, right? Like not even Elaine, they can channel a lot, but they can't kick no, ass. No physical prowess. Um. Nynaeve refers again to the storm breaking soon, so that's obviously that's the Sean Chan, I think. 
This is the mm-hmm. storm that's coming. In fact, I've read on a bit. I've started that booking. We've been talking about yes. for so long. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's the Sean Chan. It is this. So were the, was the dice as well in Matt's head the Sean Chan? Oh, yes. When the wall falls on him, the dice the stop. Dice stop. The, okay. I thought maybe like I don't, I I thought that's what happened. I don't remember that. I don't. That I don't think the the, the wolf. But I thought maybe he just went unconscious. No, the wolf and therefore did not falling on him the dice. is like okay, cool. The luck things happen. I think it's we thought yes. spoke about here now. greater events that can happen mm. so far away. And we always mentioned that how condensed this book is. Where's yeah. Rand right at that moment, and what's he doing? Did he just kill Samael right then? I think the dice have a specific, like it might not be linked to events happening around Matt, but I think the outcomes have to affect Matt. Mm. I think now I'm cheating a bit, quote unquote cheating, because I've read the first two chapters of Bath of Daggers. And even the arrival of the ships is described as... um, the sort of heralds of a storm. Mm. Like the, the storm analogy is used specifically with the Sean Chan a number of times. And even here, when Matt is talking to Elaine or when the wall falls on him or just before that, um, something tugs at his thoughts, something about the weather and Elaine, which made no sense. It's Elaine had just told Matt when she gave him back the medallion that Nynaeve had warned about a storm coming mm. and not, not meaning this wind. I think the storm, Bill, is, and the and the dice are specifically about the Sean Chan attack. I think the dice are two on. You know, yes, Matt has to meet two on, mm. and by being trapped under this building, he doesn't leave with the red arms and the ice mm. die and everyone going to the farm. He's trapped here in Ibudar, and that um, facilitates his meeting with Tuan. Mm. Also, Ibudar is almost directly due south from Shadow Logoth, where Rand kills yeah. uh, Samael, and that's at night. Ah, yes. Isn't it so always night so in Shadow Logoth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Maybe figuratively, but no. No, it the isn't. Because, the sunsets, yeah, they ride in the eye of the world. They ride in in the daytime. It's only mm. at night when it gets dark that Mashadar comes out. No, no, no. It mm. was like a... <laughs> so it's later today where Rand has... It's always dark in Shadow Logoth. Always dark in Shadow Logoth. Mm. Figuratively dark. Okay, so we also learn here about two red arms called Fergan and Gordoran. We do? Yeah, we do. All right. They feature a little bit. They are later killed by the golem. Apparently, the golem runs past them and casually pulls, rips out both of their throats as well. Seems to be his method of fun. His go-to move. Yeah, he's watched (laughs) Roadhouse one too many times. Don't get too attached to (laughs) Fergan and Gordoran. And then, yeah, my last note was that I stopped the moment the wall comes down on Matt and he is trapped and he stays in Ibuda. And that is it for my chapter 39 notes. Are you guys ready to move along? Let's do this. Let's do it. That takes us then to chapter 40 called Spears. I desperately wanted to fold in some kind of Britney Spears reference here, but I couldn't do it. So (laughs) listeners, see what you can do with that. Uh, We'll see what you can do with the summary. Hit me with that, baby. Can I give it a go? Please. One more time. Oh, go yeah. away, Jody. I'm faster. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was going to say. There you go. Yeah. Hit us, Billy, one more time. Hit us, Billy, yeah, one more time. Go. Excellent. I should have seen that. That's plain as day. Mm. Dude, yeah, that's right in front of your face. <laughs> Fail. Yeah, that's that's minus five points for Gryffindor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
before you get stuck into this chapter. I think mm. because there are multiple points of view, just stop after each and we quickly put it away because going back to the first one after reading the last one is going to be yeah, it's going to be jarring. Jarring, you're right. Uh, that quick. Now, guys, Spears, multiple points of view of some really awesome people. We're starting with Galena Kasban. Then we're going to go to mm-hmm. Savannah. There were a little mm. inter, interlink with some more Shadow Dirt. Uh, Merrick actually Delicious. felt that for him. Yep. And then we end off with Grandal. Oh, look at my skin standing up. Like, oh, baby, Grandal. Oh, one more. One more what? after Grandal. Oh, did I miss someone? There was a very small little... Small Everyone's favorite Haran. Sorry. <laughs> it's like at the end there, he snuck in out of the mm-hmm. shadows. Man, what a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Uh, <laughs> Galina. Now, I have to confess something at this point. Mm-hmm. I have for a very long time and still even in this reread been confusing myself and mixing my characters between Casban and Cat Swain. What? Really? Yes. Galena and Cat Swain? Oh. Yes. All the time. Like, I kept... Is that big... why you hate Cat no, Swain No, so no, much? no, no. Like, yes and no. Like, a part of it's like, <laughs> hold on, but Cat Swain had Ran in the box. How's Ran not angry with her when she's there with Tylen in the middle? I'm like, you guys don't pick up. So I'm like, I'm missing something. <sighs> So I keep thinking like that's like what what is happening here? Anyway, wow, that's that, huge. That's big. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, too many that's names. A faux pas. I'm not strong with names, guys. I look at faces and I don't see any no. of these people's faces. Look, ignore I, the surnames. Galena and Catswain. Catswain's surname is Maladrin. Yes, yes, I know. It's Catswain, Casban. Okay. Super <laughs> close to each other. Super confusing. Both of them strong personalities. And very mm. in charge, head of the Red Aja, head of Aja's at a time. Like, you know, it, it could happen. So I apologize for that. Mm. Things are going to make a lot it more sense to me. So, um, anyway, Galena's captured. There's lots of that shit. Mm-hmm. She's captured mm. by Tavara. Tavara is one of the um, Shadow Dog uh, wise ones. Um, and mm-hmm. the fact that she would have gone and ran into this battle and chasing after tells me she might have been a maiden. I don't know, but it's kind of outside of the normal operations for a wise one to run after and hunt down escapees. Either way, she got her, she's her guy shine, and for the last nine days, they've been staking her to the ground, sleeping face up, Mm -hmm. uh, on like arms stretched out and legs stretched out. They've also been shielding her, but she's strong enough to break out of the shields, but she's done it twice. And after the second time, she's not doing it again. She's she's learned her pain. Mm-hmm. Um, they wake up. They give her a drink. She doesn't dare spill a drop of water. She's been beaten for that. And then mm-hmm. they run. And they run with a, an Aiel running behind her, switching her legs, and one dragging her in the front. And we know Aiel can run. Galina's never mm-hmm. run like this in her life. It's like vomiting stories the minute they stop. Um mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, she, through this all, as this happening, there's a lot of reflection. She reflects on her hand and being part of the disposal of two Amarillans. She has been raised to a Aes Sedai for 99 years, and 96 of them she spent as a Black Aja head. So Mm -hmm. she's um, legitimately on the bad end of things. Um, 
in the Black Archer, she's not a Black Archer head. She's the no, second she's, in charge. She's, she's like, a, she knows the top. She's in with the top. LVRN is the very top. Yep. She's the very next one. Mm. She's one of the few that yep. knows that LVRN is at mm. the top because she's so close to it. Yep. Now, um, when she sees the Favara coming, she's anxious already. That's not a good time for her. She's she's being pre treated the way that she deserves after treating Rand. Um, better. Better. Anyway. Uh, now, she dreams about the cat and the poor cat that she's running past and things run before you are gotten by Tavara as well. Anyway, I said I like cats. Um, later and much later, when she's properly fucked up and they get to the... Like, she falls in the dirt, face down, and starts breathing and breathes in leaves but don't care. That's how, how properly fucked mm. up she is. Um, then Savannah joins the party. Mm. Not even better. Um, <laughs> now, Galena is faced with the traitor and thinks, yeah, okay, cool. This is the woman that betrayed them. Um, Savannah had her own designs. And then what she can do is like, maybe manipulate the situation to tell her, like, look, the tower can forgive you. We can let you back in. Let's not do this. But uh, Savannah replies with one word, Datsang. And two other wise ones reply, very shortly after that, with Datsang, Datsang. And so it is done. She is now stripped naked. And she thinks, yay, I'm getting clothes. And she thinks, like, oh, I'm being elevated. Some things are right. And then she realizes what Datsang is. Uh, let's stop there because that is kind of the end of the chapter there. Or not the chapter, the, the point of view. The POV. The POV. So we yeah. can have a quick discuss yeah. on that and then we'll go to the next. Joe, did you have anything? I, I did, but then I got sidetracked and I forgot it. Carry on. Maybe it'll come back to you. <laughs> okay. I just noticed here that we get very few Galena points of view. Mm. So, like, all my hatred of this character is based on one, maybe two chapters leading up to Dumai's Wells. Like, I think there's the one where they're busy beating Rand and mm. she's sort of, like, talking to Beldine or the other the other Aes Sedai that's also beating Rand. And, um, and this... So, like, like, I mean, there's still a lot of chapters when after Fayil is also captured with the Shido, and I think Galena double-crosses Fayil in an escape attempt or something along those lines. But, like, the hatred that I'd built up for Galena up to this point is on very, very little information. But the information that we have about her is um, is so strong. It's tough. She's, she's, she's not a likable character, and she's written that way very no. fast. Yes, yes. Um, she's sweating a lot. So yeah. not even the non-power related trick is helping, right? Like she's Isodai, she should be able to not sweat, but that's that's gone out the window. It's just like probably too much for her to concentrate on on not doing it. Because in being the, shielded shouldn't affect whether she's sweating or not. In the words of Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan until they get hit in the face. She got hit in the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sweat Hard. is boring now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um also I was surprised that Galena is the head of the Red Arger. Mm-hmm. She's the highest. Yeah. yeah, that's news to me as well in this chapter. So she's higher ranked than Elida, mm. and they even say here that in the Red Archer, this is from Galena's point of view, who is the leader of the Red Archer. So let's just take that from whence it comes. But she thinks here that in the Red Archer, many feel that the highest in the Red stands higher than the Amaralyn. Mm. I believe so that. In Galena's own mind, she mm. stands higher than Elida. Yeah, even though Elida is a Red and the Amaralyn. Mm. Yes. But like you said, 
from Galina's point. Take into account who's who's thinking this. Yes, yes. <laughs> this crazy bitch. Yeah. And I mean, she is a bitch because she's thinking about how she's ordered the deaths of two rulers. So she's thinking about the the Black Aja um, Supreme mm-hmm. Council, where her just saying the name of rulers, you know, condemns them to death basically. And mm-hmm. she's done that twice, and she's broken two Amerlins. Um, the way she's talking made it sound like that did not include Swan, but she did lead the circle that stilled Swan. Mm. So yes, RJ I is feeding. Us. I read it as that it is Swan. That the second one was felt Swan. as well. It was the second one that was Swan. I yes, I think I thought it was only mm. the two that she was involved with. Maybe let's mm, let's okay. let's look at back. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just also thought that it was interesting that Swan was stilled via circle. Do you need a circle? To still someone? I don't think you need it. I think they did it by the, by law. the law. I think like it's, they, they it's followed a, every letter of the law. It's like a action of many, not an action of one person. It's like a shooting, yeah. shooting. Well, she does lead it. Yeah, what is a shooting uh, firing squad? Uh, like a firing squad. Yeah, firing like squad, yeah. there's so many people shooting. No one knows who killed the guy. So it's like you. Oh, I mm. didn't kill him. No, someone's bullet hit, but it wasn't mine. I'm, I aimed for the wall. Didn't they? Mm. They used to give some of the the men in the um, in Lanks. the firing squads uh, w- wooden bullets mm. that would disintegrate. Yeah, but no, she led the circle, and we know that with linked women, there's one person that directs the flows, and it was Galena, and she took pleasure in it. Mm. So fuck. Oh, it. she reveled oh, yeah. in it. Um, <laughs> she put a hand up for that <laughs> yeah. exercise, like, "Ooh, I'll do it." Ooh, me, me, me. I was wondering, like, someone that was getting stilled would obviously have to be shielded at the time. So how does the person shielding that woman experience the stilling? That would be weird. Anyway, shower thoughts. I suppose it's like you're, you're pushing against something and all of a sudden it it's disappears. And you just go, Whoop, and you like fall forward. You fall you know, over. Like <laughs> yeah. You're Maybe like she falls over. That's what I just wanted like, to say. Ah, it's triggered a memory. Uh, <laughs> ah, you did. <laughs> Moritz is just triggering memories left, right, and center today. Uh, shielding. Uh, they're... They're, they're, one of the wise ones is constantly shielding Galena, so they haven't learned to tie off mm. no. weaves yet. No, that's my that's my thing. Is like, ha, we know something you don't. Mm. And another thing is a question: Where are they running to? Are they going back to the waste? Because I know they end up there, right? They take Galena back to the waste. I mean, we never see her again. Savannah heads into Kinslayer's Dagger and in the previous chapter talks about that's where they arranged to meet and she hopes that the Rava and the other wise ones can meet them there in time. So I think they are near yeah, well, Kinslayer's Dagger. Yeah, Jengai Pass. That's that's the, the, the pass to mm-hmm. the waste. It's it's so I think east like, of the Dumai's Wells attack. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're running for nine days to get where where they're going. Just to meet up in the Kinslayers. To meet up. And I mean, Savannah is still sort of calling the shots. So Therava, eventually, Galena's end is, okay, there's a a note I made just specifically about that. Uh, She wakes up whimpering from dreams in which Therava is in control of her for the rest of her life, which is exactly Mm. what happens to her. Mm. By the end of the story... Therava and a number of Shido head back to the waste with her. And Galena has yeah. sworn obedience on the oath rod. Mm. So she can't break they, they, it. And she's heading back into the waste to be Gaishane to Therava, her worst nightmare for the rest of her life. Yeah. Exactly that thing. Because happens. that's what worse that, than 
worse than Gai Sheng. She's Datsang. No, no, she well, is made Datsang, yeah, but it's against the tradition. Yes. It's against the laws, even though the Shadis manipulate or fuck the laws over by taking wetland of Gai Sheng. Um, mm. She yeah. is Theravas. She was captured by Therava. So that yeah. that link. Well, she's dressed in black mm. here, right? In this meeting, where she's put in black, where she's made Datsang, Therava is mm. disappointed. Mm. Because she wanted to retain her as Gai Shen. Yes. Because Datsang can't mm. work for you. Mm. They can't do any labor of any uh, meaning. They can only do, me- they are shamed to the extent that they are not allowed to add value to anything mm. where the robber actually wanted to make her a servant, a yeah. permanent no, Gai Shen slave. No, but a show servant because she was going to put her in white silks. Yes. Like you are yes. my off-showing, like my Isodai that works for me. Like yes. it was like a position of power tooling. But not but when and she's forever. dead sung, she can't order her no, around. She can't. So she's really upset saying to uh, Savannah, like, look, she's mine. Like I I, mm. I caught her by the arm. And I mean, that's, mm. I made her my mm. shine. You, you can't take her away. Yeah. We know Savannah does Savannah the way she that wants ex- to do. That explains a lot because there's a, when they, when the three name her that sung, there's a look on Therava's face mm. of like disgust mm. and disappointment. And I thought it was now. because, because, um, Savannah, Savannah, Savannah said three wise ones have said it and she doesn't consider Savannah a wise one, mm. really. And it's like, oh, shut your mouth. You're not part of this, really. So I was a bit confused there, but this, the Tsang explanation clearly. No, it's more, it's, yeah. Okay. Somewhere along the line, Savannah has become a wise one and is recognized as a wise one by the other wise ones. Yeah, she has. She has at this stage by the Shida (laughs) and by the other wise ones. On the other side, like okay, cool. She's there now. Mm. You know, rank changes things, so things have to be accepted in everything, even in their their culture as well. They don't accept Rand, but they accept that he's changing things. So it's like you know, yeah. the cake and eat it scenario. Exactly. Huh? Should I accept Rand? Savannah wants to marry Rand. She wants to marry Rand. Savannah does, yeah. Mm. In some of Savannah's inner monologues, she thinks about how hard it is to control Therava. So even when Kadar in this next little section brings the oath rod and stuff, Savannah's always asking like, mm-hmm. what do you have for me to control female channelers? You know, like she asked about the Adam, mm. you have something similar for women. And then he brings the oath rod and everyone's sort of, Savannah thinks to herself. We see that, what you're doing. <laughs> yes, you're very obvious. Um, Galena mentions here that men made her skin crawl. All men. So, yep, that tracks. Mm-hmm. Proto red. That's, that's hardcore. Um, she won't attempt an escape until she is sure of success, um, which is, I think, what she plans to do with Fayil later in the story. Um, beatings for spilling water from her mouth when in sight of a creek six feet wide. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, it's, it's, it's just beatings for the sake of beatings. And it's not because yeah. of the water itself. Um, and then, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the section. She thinks to herself, surely she would be rescued. Elida wouldn't leave a sister unrescued. Surely Alviaren would send rescue. Nope. And nope. definitely nope. Alviaren <laughs> <laughs> no. just said, don't send rescue. She gave the order herself. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry for you, Galena. You are screwed. All right. That's it. Well, you can continue. Tell us right. about this meeting with Kadar. Yeah. Point of view, Sir Savannah, and she's watching Galina the Datsan working, uh, but it's not called working. It's called menial tasking. Mm. She is moving a rock from one woman to another woman and then picking up another rock and moving it. So she's, she's playing, you know, cricket pitch runs with rocks um, <laughs> all day long. Running singles with rocks. Running singles with rocks, yeah. 
the the robber is obviously not happy with this, and this is where the point is brought up. Like where the robber says, like, "Hey, this she was my my uh, to have." Um, but I mean, things change so much. So my one note here is that they even take wetland as a guy shine. So it's they, it's weird that the eels still feel like this holding on to this, but they even changed that thing that they're holding on to, like because they're taking wetland mm-hmm. a guy shine. And then also not mm-hmm. giving them it for a year and a day, it's for life. Like mm-hmm. they're new yeah. rules that in modern day slavery. Um, she, Savannah thinks to herself, they should have a new name it. for Guy Shane. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> new word for Guy Shane that will never put off the white. Mm, how about slave? Slave. There, there is the a word, word for that for. already. Uh, we already have a word for that. In Shara, yeah. they'll tell you. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, mm-hmm. she wants, as you mentioned, Mo, she wants a way to control Tharava. Like, she is looking for that. Um, mm-hmm. And she was also very aware that Galena will kill them when she gets a chance. Like, she reflects on that. Mm-hmm. Like, that woman is not, she's not tamed yet. That she thinks making a guy shine is going to break her down to tame her. But, um, and I think that's also not really a reality. Um, the man then speaks behind her. And the big shock and turn surprise. And it's old mate Kadar who hangs out and he's got his crony. What's her name? Not Kadir. Not Kadir. No. <laughs> Let's not confuse. He's a Baloo. <laughs> he's been blown up. His skin Lanfear made him look yeah. a floating air balloon. Uh, no, this uh, and then Mysar uh, assume that is obviously Grandel that's hanging out with mm-hmm. Kadar, who is Samael. Mysia, my pet name. Mysia, yes. Um, all right, he produces the oath rod, and he's got some backpack with him, little bags, and inside there's stones, square stones in this bag with red buttons, mm-hmm. and it's called a <laughs> Nar Bahama something. Um, that is going to open not Bahamas. Yeah, it's going to open gateways for them. Yeah. But it's just rocks <laughs> and cool-looking mm-hmm. rocks. Mm. Um, Grandal, like when we get to the Grandal chapter, laughs at some for this. Like you're giving them a thing and you actually give them the name, a full box. <laughs> like you're going to mm-hmm. get caught out for your <laughs> yeah. trickery one day. Uh, but he mm-hmm. doesn't this time because they totally believe in those boxes because it's nothing. It's just it's, someone's going to press it. And he's just going to channel a, whole, a gateway to where he wants them to go. And that's the end of it. And he tells him this mm-hmm. detailed story like, ooh, it's got to recharge. Like, it takes about three days. You know, yeah. it's like, ooh, it's gonna, mm-hmm. power's got to be absorbed in and you won't see the weaves. Women can't touch it. Women can't touch it. Like, this, because if the woman's going to touch it, they're like, this is a rock. I can channel. It's a rock. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he uh, pulls a, one over their eyes at that and then um that's that sort of end of the chapter they get that or not again chapter point of view and that's when we run to Mm -hmm. the next point of view of merrick do you want to discuss not much in that one um just just quick one we've touched on some of the stuff i wanted to say about the rava also wanting galina as guy shane but i also noticed here that savannah is super observant she's not an idiot Right, like she is blinded by her ambition, but she notices uh, Mycia's or so Grindel's um, reactions to things. Like she's sort of smiling at stuff, and she also notices that Kadar 
um, is telling them that there's a lot of haste, but there's no haste in his voice or anything. So she's picking mm-hmm. up on these little cues. So she absolutely correctly mistrusts or distrusts them completely. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm not, yeah. not going to trust these guys wholly. But then on the flip side of that, she thinks that Kadar is motivated by a uh, lust for gold. He, he's, he yeah. definitely wants the gold. <laughs> I think that seems so short. He's got all these magic items. He's got a female channeler at his beck and call. And you think that he's, his main motivation is the gold that you're going to get him. She's just maybe, maybe this is RJ showing us while she is smart, her ambition and her plans are blinding her to stuff that she should be picking up on. Mm. Um, I just thought that was an interesting, like in a short span of time, she lists the things that she noticed that are sort of minor little details that make her distrust him. And then in the same breath, she's like, ah, but he still wants all the gold that we've promised him. So I'll just, I'll just pull him along. Mm -hmm. Seems weird. Anyway, that's it. little tangent mm. <laughs> as we do but i just imagined um samael when he's yeah. like where did all these little stone cubes come from and they paint i just have this image of him like sitting back in his <laughs> in his fort like hand painting these things painting just miniatures. To himself you know like like little miniature painting you know like <laughs> figurines and just coming up with this and then and then i'll tell them i'll tell them that they need to recharge and then and then i'll tell them women can't touch them <laughs> sniggering to himself like, painting <laughs> just like i don't know that's how i imagined it happened <laughs> yeah, like that is legit how it happened He's laughing about it like oh, this right. is gonna be so good like, <laughs> fucking idiots uh, so tell us about merrick You're right all right merrick presses the red button on the box and a gateway opens it's like whoa and he's like i'm going through first him he says to his missus oh cool i'll go through first then he falls on his face because there's a step down another somehow trick look mm. i'll make the gateway just a little bit higher on the other side so they all fall as mm. well they can't jump back out so it's like, it's like a, a a method that they can go through but they can't back in just make it a little bit higher mm-hmm. um and everyone starts going through he goes through and six thousand. and now this is specifically when i say they it's the machine um merrick leads the machine shai i uh shaidu or and he's going to take all 6,000. He wants to get there. And as he's looking at the progression of wagons and everything coming through, all of a sudden, yeah, gateway closed, boom, and slices 10 of them in half. Like one guy specifically, like in half through the yes. the, the front end. Through the shoulders. Yeah, through the shoulders, yes. through that 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 cut. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, man, I love it when bodies get cut in half in the show. There's always good body cuts. Like we got the upper cut from land with the samurai. <laughs> And then we had uh, two rack bull guts bull slice in half. Um, yeah, so good. And now we've got some more people cut through the <laughs> other way in half. Now, with that now, after all of this, also a maiden comes running and panting. Like, she's like, it's there on us. Like, we walked into a trap. The rain I heal has already encircled them. So somehow let's basically put them into death. And Merrick sees it that way. He then gets himself ready. Let's do what we need to. Where's the closest end? Up the hill. The first ones that will arrive is on the other side of the hill. That's the ones we attack. He starts singing his Wash the Spear song. And he prepares for what is going to be the death of all of them. There we go. Mm-hmm. End of that mm-hmm. point of view. There's only about a thousand of them that made it through the gateway before it closed. Mm-hmm. And... At the back, still on the other side, are his son and daughter. Mm. Family. So he and his wife have a quick little interaction here where he's like, 
okay, fuck, those guys are still back there. And he calls one of the other men over and he says, keep pressing this button until it opens and gives him the full box. He says, just stay here and keep pressing the button. And you hinted at this earlier, Will. I actually really felt sorry for these guys. Yeah. Like yeah. It was actually like, quite oh, yeah. an affecting chapter. For Shido, here we are sympathizing with Shido. I don't think he was Shido. No, he's Machine. They're, they're all Shido. So he's, no, he, he's Machine. Machine is, 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 is a clan. It's a sept. Uh, it's it? uh, part of the show, the Machine Shido. Uh, I thought because there was a bunch of people that joined the Shido that weren't originally no, Shido. Those no, but he are doesn't, the, doesn't accept um, Rand. Us, we sign. Oh, okay. What are they called? The Brotherless. Yeah, the Brotherless. What are they called? Ashesai Win. Siswaya yes, Man. Siswaya Man. No, the Siswaya Man are the Spears of the Dragon. Which is the other one then? Mm. Far out. Al Guide the Siswaya or something those, like that. Those are the actual spears. The, there's another one. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't speak old tongue. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll we'll remember the name anyway. They are the, the brotherless ones. Mm. And he and his wife have like a really touching moment. Like they can't show mm. affection in front of everyone. So like when this mm. happens, it's like, Okay, when we meet, when they meet again later, like he and his wife, I hope they don't can have actually to cry. Like have an emotional, yeah, have an emotional mm. interaction, and that's when two different scouts come, and it sounds like there are three different groups attacking them yeah. from three different sides. So, like, they've walked into like the middle of a closing trap, which there must have been an army moving through there. Later, John and Adley tells Rand that they encountered a force of about nine to ten thousand. Of these Shido, because I mean, this is just one group. There's a bunch of them of different mm. sizes scattered all over mm. the place. Um, but so I'm assuming some of Rand's forces are moving anyway towards Ilion, mm. and these guys were somewhere near them. And scouts picked up, and some forces like peeled off to come deal with these um, these Shido that have mm. appeared out of nowhere. I think he dropped. There is a mention of them dropping them, like uh, dropping, like somehow dropping all these guys in scattered bunches between Ilion mm. and. Somewhere like between so Gildan and Ilian, like anyway, that's moving. Yeah, Gildan and Ilian. Yes. So that's where the the, the army yes. and all those. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so there's probably tons of Ail, yeah. hundreds of thousands of them, all scattered, and it's like, oh, yeah, free Shido to kill. Excellent. Um, we're jumping ahead, but John and Adley later, when he talks about nine or ten thousand um, Ail that they encountered mm. and killed, he says they didn't really slow us down. Mm. A force no. of 10,000 Aiel didn't really slow down Rand's army. It's a, army a the world very big seen. army. Remember, we're talking so, yeah. about multiple forces now joined in together. Yeah. And as but they I'm jumping go, ahead. it grows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, 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 we'll get there. But the bottom line is, I was surprised at how affected I was by this chapter from a Shido point. I was heavily affected by it because it was such an intimate mm. play. So, uh, Merrick and his wife discussing their kids that's at the back that's been cut mm -hmm. off now not mm. through the gateway so however far they're away also like cut off from their forces their men yeah they're now surrounded mm -hmm. it's it's it up like, you know what what do you say there like and then they face this battle with honor right like all right mm. time to wash the spears this is where we the die. song where's where's the closest yeah. group that's where we go mm. yeah yeah no look you you made your bed now you gotta sleep in it mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah I mean just we've thought we've talked about this before it's the same with the the white cloaks or everyone in in Amador they're not all assholes no. they can't all be assholes no. I mean like 
the, the World War II Nazis, not all the Germans were Nazis. Some of them were like <laughs> rad people, <laughs> you know. You're just caught up. Caught up. That's just the clan you're in, you know? know. You're like, oh, shit. That's why it's so sad. Don't lump mm. me in with those guys, I suppose, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. All right. All right, Forge Ahead, Will. Okay, a little quick one. After mm-hmm. um, Samael had his little laugh with Grendel, and they were like, oh, look how funny we are. Look how good we are. Um, I know. We're getting to Grendel first. I thought we were going to shut her heart already. No, Grendel. We're at the point of view mm-hmm. of Grendel, who's looking at the last gateway closes, and she tells Samael, you know, calling it full box. It's like, seriously, mate, one day you're going to get caught. Uh, Samael is laughing. He scattered them now. All the shadow between Ilian and Ged... Uh, Geldian. <laughs> sure, yeah, that, that place. place. So my, I'm really bad for my yes, pronunciations know, today. Um, and still laughing. Mm, today. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bart said it first. <laughs> Don't worry, Bill. Our fans love it, and I do too. Now, yeah. Grandal warns Samael that, you know, he's going to get caught out. Uh, Rand's going to get you. And he laughs, walking into his apartments before he closes the way, the, the not the way gate, the, the, the gateway um laughing that althor is not going anywhere he's he knows exactly where he is and like <laughs> go boy go walk into your trap he says althor isn't going after anyone mm. all i have to do is wait yep mm-hmm. you, you think wait till the next chapter motherfucker sure sure <laughs> all right that's that's really <laughs> it Grendel opens her way to her place and she looks at her little pets naked frolicking in the pool she's like oh yeah i'm gonna have mm-hmm. some sex now I um, what I took from that is what you said before, Joe. Like I, I originally thought that he'd scattered them all over Randland, but it's specifically in that section mm. between Gildan and Indian, where they're all gonna die. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yes, they do gather a force again. Like they do meet up again, and when they kidnap Fael, remember it's the Shido that Perrin is chasing. Yeah. Um, ooh, Perrin is in Gildan. Yeah, so that tracks. Mm-hmm. He is. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Right, Phil. Take us home. Last one. Shadahara. Uh, these two, they, those two fools close their, their um, gates, holes, portals. Uh, Shadaharan <laughs> sneaks out of the shadows and he sniffs the portals. One smells like mm-hmm. sharp end of a blade and the other one smells like a pointy end of something. And that's how he knows it's mm-hmm. male and female. But he can smell the weaves. Mm-hmm. He's a badass, this dude. And see the residue. He can't see, don't have eyes. He can smell the gate holes, Joe. Is that what you're about to say? (laughs) (laughs) He can smell the difference between male and female holes. Yes, gate holes. He can like much like a dog does. (laughs) Anyway, and then um, he checks it all out and he's like, okay, um, as long as the Lord of Chaos rules and buggers off back. He's like, oh, I'm getting weak. I need to get back to the, Mm -hmm. the ball. And then he makes a gate hole through the shade and pisses off back to Shadow Goal. <laughs> End. Chapter done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a little cameo. He does some cool things here, though. He um, he seeks the edge of the shadow that he needs to travel. So he travels like a fade. You know how faith can enter shadows mm-hmm. and come out anywhere else there is a shadow, which is a cool power we never see used to great effect yeah. at all. But he also picks up an Aeol spear and then sets it aflame. So with the mm. true power, I would mm-hmm. assume. He can't do anything with the one power. It'll have to be, yeah. Yeah, which is 
pretty intimidating. He is a badass. He's a dark one. <laughs> yeah. You should call him Lord. The Hand of the Dark. Well, you can. In your power structure, that is demanded, not in mine. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. song. Um, and it was interesting, the effects of him being away from Shail Ghul. It's, what, it was, what was it? An, um, an ache weak. and a faint weakness through his limbs. Mm. Like an ache through his back and neck and then like a weakness through his limbs. Like, he has to get like back. the Ogier longing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, interesting. But I think... Yeah, but I think it's it's like it's it affects him far quicker. Like the Ogier could be like years out of here. He, but he's like oh, he, he, he just stepped away. He just pulled out of the shadow. You know, a couple of hours and max. No, no, like minute, literal seconds. He was out of the shadow. He came from the shadow shadow. Yeah. Came out, he's like, oh, yo, yeah, but he could have come Go from back. somewhere else. Jody, mm, we'll we, never we're know. trying to sell that the dark we'll one know. cannot be away from his hole. He cannot roam. <laughs> because if he could roam, he would have roamed a long mission. time ago. He can't roam. He's like quick in and out. All right. He's like, mm -hmm. it's like he has to be swimming into a pool, going mountain. to the bottom and getting out the little things that you dropped in the pool. That's what he's doing. He's going swimming up, like having a breath. It's like every time he goes into the pool oh. and out. Oh, he's just getting yeah, his sinkies. Metaphors of yeah, he's getting his sinkies. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Vil. That was a marathon session with those two pretty significant chapters. They were not short ones, but yeah. um, a lot happened there. And the best part of it, my notebook has got no page left after all of this. It's done. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Perfect. We could auction that off. I've got five yes. of them already, Once six of them. Famous. It yeah. generally goes like a book Collect the whole set. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Vili got to do Dumas Wells in the last book. So, Joe, you get to do the, the final chapter in this book. And just because there were three chapters, Vili had to Vili had to take the first two. Admirably done. Right. Vili did an amazing job. Absolutely. Yeah, I, like, I like those two chapters a lot. I thought they were the, the they were good. Matt chapter, and it was all the baddies. Like some of them getting their comeuppance <laughs> yes. and some not. But I like talking uh -huh. about the baddies. They... They they have personalities too. They have yeah. lives. They have we children. It's on brand. Mm -hmm. They have moms and dads. Some they of them lives. killed their own moms they have and dreams dads. And ambitions. Yeah. They have they, they, things they want, needs, desires. Um, what I desire is to move on to the next chapter, which is chapter 41, <laughs> called A Crown of Swords. Why don't you put a crown on this book for us, Joe? All righty. Let's do this. Here we go. <sighs> Rand awakes from a fever dream in Mim's arms. She's screaming at someone. I won't let you kill him. And I thought, holy shit, what a way to wake up. <laughs> what? What's happening? But he's in his own bed and he's like relieved. He's like, oh, wait, I'm back in my rooms. And I'm like, I thought, good call. Mm -hmm. like, when she told him, no, 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 we're going back to our rooms. Because <laughs> he immediately wakes up, recognizes, looks where he is and goes, Phew. Yes, I'm in my own space. Mm -hmm. Good. And I thought, yeah, no Aes Sedai died today. Yeah. Um, talking about Aes Sedai, everyone is there and he is naked. He's covered with a sheet at the moment, but totally buff. Uh, let's see, who is there? Amis, Katsway, Bera, Karuna, Sumitsu, Korel, Tashiva, Flynn, Arishman, and Jonah Adley. Jonin Adley. Uh, he's back. You know, He's been running messages between Ilian and Rand this whole time. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I read his name, I was like, who the fuck is Jonan Adley? I don't remember this dude at all. Um, but he's there. He's back. 
Rand asks, like, how am I alive? You know, he says, like, I've seen Fane's Shadow Logoth dagger in action. I didn't think anybody could survive that. Mm-hmm. You hear, like, Cat he's like, ah, Shadow Logoth. That explains a lot. Mm-hmm. She tells him that he has Flynn and Sumitso to, to thank for the, his healing and Corel mm-hmm. as an afterthought. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because Corel was in the room, I suppose. She, oh, yeah, and her too. Let's not make her feel bad. Um, but yeah, three people. I, I get the feeling as well that it wasn't just that one healing that we saw no. written in the book. That there's constant work has been done on him yes. over time. Because Corel wasn't there originally when, yeah. Flynn, when Flynn rocked up. And uh, up at that point, Samitsu is uh, the only one that had healed him. Corel wasn't around. Um, but apparently she is extremely talented at healing as well. Second only to Samitsu. Yes. So thank God, we've got the two best. Yeah. Well, three best if you count Flynn, mm-hmm. I mean, amongst all channelers. Yeah. Yeah, so Cat Swain wastes no time and immediately dives into the you-need-to-be-guided speech that she has undoubtedly been dying to give Rand. <laughs> but uh, during this conversation, we find out that, you know, Rand's like, whatever, later, later. Um, how long have I been out? He's only been out for two days. Only two days. <laughs> but he's like, oh, shit, sweet. Because it could have been far worse than that. So he announces that he's going to get up now. Uh, and if they all want to stare at his balls, they're welcome to. But he has spent too much time with the maidens to be shy about nudity anymore. No one leaves. So apparently they either want to call his bluff or they want to stare at his butt. So Karina, Karuna at least, is the only one that has the decency to turn her back and actually look a little bit <laughs> red in the cheeks. Yes. As he gets up and strides through the room <laughs> completely naked. And it's packed with people. Um, he walks slowly uh, he is very very wobbly still to the wardrobe and just starts getting dressed uh, once clothed but still unbooted he announces that he needs to talk to the usherman alone mm-hmm. everyone get the fuck out and surprisingly most of them go um amis having been around long enough to know what that rand likes to sneak off <laughs> whenever he kicks Ail out of the room mm-hmm. uh, he tends to disappear she says she'll only go if he promises that he's going to stay put. And he's like, just like, very, in a very Aes Sedai answer, just shows here his bare feet and is like, you know, where do you think I'm going with no boots? Does it look like I'm going to go anywhere? Hmm. But that's not, that's not an answer. That's not an answer, Rand. <sighs> but he's learned from the Aes Sedai. So as the last of them leave, even, even Cad's Wayne, Rand uh, puts on his boots and starts preparation to sneak off immediately. Amis was right, obviously. So... You know, like us reading this chapter for the first time, everyone is thinking, like, who the fuck is Adley? <laughs> or like me, you know, I, that was me. But other people are thinking, where has he been? You mm. can see during this chapter that Cad Swain, Amis, and Deshiva, all of them are like kind of staring at Adley and staring at Rand. And when he orders them out, they're like, all right, Cad Swain's, you can tell that like, Cad Swain's thinking, like, all right, he's going to speak to Adley. Adley's brought mm. some news. Like, what are you up to, Rand? Everybody knows he's up to something. Mm-hmm. Um, Min is uh, not so surreptitiously trying to, you know, get him to stay. Rand figures she's uh, she's had a viewing. And, of course, he's right. Mm-hmm. So, like, while he's been out, he, she had a viewing that Cat Swain is going to teach him and all the Ashermans something that they need to know, that they must know, but they are not going to like learning it from her. Humility, I imagine, that they are not gods. But I thought maybe it's also just a good recipe for blueberry muffins or something. But it's not. So, boots on. Rand gathers his usherman, gets a report from Adley, tells him his army has reached the Ilian, Ilian and mm. heel forts. Uh, sooner than anticipated, because 
guess who, Wyramon, <sighs> left the foot behind <laughs> and charged with the cavalry. Surprised? No. Rand's like, that fucking guy, you know, he thought well, he's going to take hill forts on the back of horses. Probably. He probably thinks that he could. He can take anything with his horses, in his opinion. Can't you remember the guy's his attitude? Horse. His flying horses. I imagine him running up to the forts with his horses and like hitting them like the the knights in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, just <laughs> yeah. hitting a castle walls <laughs> yeah. with their swords. Like, with their swords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. How about you? Um, <laughs> but but what they could, what Wireman and his horse couldn't uh, outrun or outpace was the Aiel, the hundred thousand of them, mm-hmm. you know, that are with them. So uh, they were also involved in the ensuing battles, uh, and the Ashaman, of course. The Ashaman just opened gateways and traveled there. Mm-hmm. End of story. So the Ashaman attacked the Palisades first with the one power, but that just drew out Samael, who kicked everyone's asses. Yeah. Um, man alone yeah, so like man alone um, Adley's like dude if there were like uh, three or even two more of this guy we would all be dead like n- yeah. none of that army would, would have survived Deshiva gives him such a dirty look which we obviously understand why mm. um, but he doesn't but Deshiva doesn't get why they would risk sending Rand or the Ashman to attack Samael because he's just going to flee and hide as soon as he feels you know, anyone as strong as Rand channeling, like they've got this giant army, use mm. it. And Adley, like the good guy, enlightens him that they could save the army by fighting with the one power. And I don't think, well, I know that that never even occurred to Deshiva. Like, mm. save people? Yeah. What a weird concept. Yeah. You know, just, you know, Samael is ripping the army to shreds every time they attack anything. And when Adley left to come back here to this room, Wiremon was still <laughs> just sending wave after wave of his own men to their deaths. He does some, yeah. have some Zap Brannigan qualities to him. <laughs> Zap Brannigan mixed with uh, mixed with uh, uh, King Arthur. Yeah. From, yeah, yeah. Uh, Quest for the Holy Grail. Just like the worst. <laughs> the worst two things know what, together. You know what it's going to do uh, as soon as all his last cavalry men has been sent to their slaughter? He's going to hide in a barrel what, like the uh, wily fish. Bravely run away? <laughs> 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 like the wily fish. Uh, so, yeah, that's all Rand needs to hear. He's heard enough. And he lets them know that today they are all going to help him kill, kill Samael. The Ashaman only nod, except for Tashiva, who is clearly visibly shocked. I'm like, control your emotions, Aginor. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be in disguise here. Uh-huh. But, like, this chapter is full of everybody did this, except for Deshiva. Uh-huh. And then they did this, except for Deshiva. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, RJ, we get it. We get it, dude. Um, Rand is expecting Min to give him shit about it, but she actually just agrees to keep the maidens outside occupied while he does it. She's like, I think I can keep them occupied in conversation for about an hour. It's like, holy shit, a whole hour? But anyway, she's good at that. Mm-hmm. Even though she knows that they are not going to be happy with her when they find out. I mean, not to mention Amis and Sorelia. Like, I, I would have sold Rand out straight away. Mm-hmm. I would have just run to Sorelia. He's planning to go. But Fight she's like, oh, I love this dude. She's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I would not take my chances with Amis and Sorelia. No. Um, but anyway, she loves him. Her commitment is 100% to him. She's going to take the brunt of all the Aiel coming down on her when they find out that she covered for him. Good on you. So Rand and Deshiva uh, stare at her butt as she leaves, and then he weaves a gateway to Cameland and back to our good old friend Bashir, 
Bashir's back, baby. I was so stoked. I was like, oh, fuck, we're going back to Bashir. Um, side note, mm. when Rand opens the gateway, I quote, something crooked and red spiderwebbed across the outside of the void. Is that the taint from Fane's dagger? Is this like an effect now Ooh. that the extra evils are having when he assumes the void and channels? I remember reading that and I didn't make a note about it. But yes, that's that seems to fit. I mean, that's what's new. Mm. So it must be. So like crooked. The word crooked mm. and spider webbed, that's obviously evil. Yes. But the kind of crooked is not the typical evil. So no. I'm figuring it's not the oily it's a black. new thing now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same description as regular old evil, no. as Vili would put it. Um, the special evil. So that's what I figured. Mm, I like it. Higher, higher Any, level evil. You know, everybody just, yeah. Sold. Chaos. Chaos evil. Mm. All right. So um, Bashir is a bit surprised to see Rand so soon. Like he knows what they're about to do, like what they're there to do. And he's prepping and everything. He's, he's you know, he's on the same page. He just expected it a bit later. Mm-hmm. No worries, though. He's a consummate professional and everything is ready. Like he can get, every, he can get everybody ready to go in a second. Mm-hmm. However, Deera is there too. And she is dressed to kill. I mean, like, literally kill. <laughs> With knives behind her, daggers, and all of that shit. But Rand tells Bashir, like, no wives today. Uh, she gives Bashir a look that would uh, sterilize any other man and a promise that they will talk at length about this later. And Bashir just looks at her calmly and says, at length. And Rand thinks, he must be suicidal. <laughs> like, and not jokingly. <laughs> like, this man wants to die. Like, this, <laughs> I better use him quickly before he's not going to be around. Before his wife takes to him help from me, me later. This is the, yeah. the 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 thing, though. It's not just Bashir having to leave his wife. Mm. Almost every one yeah, of the, the officers, officers well. have got their wives as well, and they were going to go into battle with him as well. So it's like a doubling of the army. Like Rand. Mm-hmm. Well. No, but Rand's like no woman is going to die today. Okay, the so doubling of the officer count. Yes, maybe. Mm, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah they, there's a lot of men that's going to come back from this battle getting it from Sultan woman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As we read later, a lot of most people, I think if not all of them come back, it's not much of a battle. No. For them, at least. No. So um, Bashir and Rand quickly go over their plans. Um, <laughs> Bashir's like... Uh, do you have time for some punch? And he's like, no, no punch. We're, <laughs> I took the same shit to do. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> sure, about to <laughs> march. Like, is it time for punch? <laughs> no, no punch. Is <laughs> there a little, little shot before we go? A little Dutch courage? And he's like, no, 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 no. Got all the courage I need. Let's go. <laughs> so they have uh, a new regiment of men, the Legion of the Dragon. And they have blue coats buttoned up at the side as to not interrupt the red and gold dragon sigils embroidered on their chests. Cool detail. Now, like, I had not... Not remembered these dudes at all. No. <laughs> Did not know about them. Um, but um, apparently there's already 15,000 of them with crossbows. Like those are the ones that just have crossbows. Mm-hmm. There's more. And the rest have this heavy, wide shield. Mm-hmm. Rand doesn't understand this. Nobody's got a sword? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Apparently this was Matt's idea. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Matt brought it up and Bashir fucking loved it and mm-hmm. said like, let's roll with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this as far as it can go. Yeah. So they got this... This brand new, like, ranged attack unit. I imagine the, the shields are there to protect the, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the crossbow men and stuff. So, yeah, they've got these new crossbows. It's all automatic and stronger. And, yeah, it's going to be awesome. When There's we a, get to see it in there action. is a... Because we don't... 
barely see it yet. The problem with crossbows, they take a long time to reload, which makes the fire of the crossbows exposed and unprotected for a long time because you've got to also look down mm. while you reload and doing this thing. So the shields mm. is like that Roman shield protection mm. that they do. So as soon yeah, as they finish fire, they step in front and they shield the whole lot. No arrows can penetrate through, and then they reload, and then they step out, and then tip, 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 off the crossbows go, because crossbows don't get follied. They get aimed shooting straight. Mm. That, was a, that was a major difference in warfare in the Dark Ages or Middle Ages, the crossbow. Middle Ages recap. But I have a memory about this. Now, I don't know if it's from the books or not, but isn't there like a, a, a winding mechanism on them? Or is that like actual historical fact? Or is this something that Matt also brings into later on so that they can reload faster? I think they talk about it later in these mm, books. I maybe think there's like a, an improvement, an improved crank or something mm. that allows yes. them to reload faster. Like a little handle you can you, you roll and you roll the Maybe it a, comes a, from Idrian at the, the university or something. You know, she built that mm. ballista. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know where I'm getting this idea from, but... I've also somewhere in some media, Joe, um, absorbed some talk about like an improved crank to reload faster. Mm. Yeah, so it could be from anywhere. Did we see these guys in action at all? Not yet, no. They've got to be in the last battle. No, but I mean here, sure. in this attack. No, no, no. no Bashir makes a big deal about saying um, these guys are not quite as ready as we would have planned for them, but they will suffice. And so, like there's a bit of talk about them. Um, and then I don't mm. remember them playing a specific part. No, because in this attack. The, the minute Samuel ducks and pulls no. Rand away from the battle, everyone else that's left over there is kind of like, hey, why are we fighting these people? Like they yeah. basically yeah. hand let's over get the Ilian. Ilian. Like, yeah. yeah, the Ilianers attack them because they're being attacked. But when they find out who it is, it's like, oh, okay, no, shit. Never sorry, mind. sorry, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> Chill out, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> yes. In his own specific idiom. <laughs> so even though they have arrived a few days early, Rand and, and his dudes, mm-hmm. um, everyone is ready to go in a remarkably short time. Like I said, consummate professionals. Oh, yeah. Lines are formed, orders are given. Uh, just everyone's ready to kick ass, you know? Um, the Ashaman, I dig this as well. Like the Ashaman are just jonesing for a fight. They've got like these silly grins on their faces. I, th- I think it's like even Flynn is like, kind of like bouncing up and down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bouncing up and down like, oh, let's go, let's go. Except for Tashiva, <laughs> who's frowning. I'm like, God damn it, RJ. I am already suspicious of him. It's good. All right. If you weren't suspicious as a first time reader, you are by now. I wasn't. Um, Bashir raises. I wasn't either. No? It's no. a first time reader. Mm-mm. I like I like the Shiva. I was like, yeah, man, this is the best Ashaman. Look at him go. Mm. <laughs> I was fooled. Mm. Yeah. He is not the best one. No. Spoiler alert. Well, let's just be honest. We didn't pay a lot of attention either to the fine print. No, look. There's a lot of shit we missed mm-hmm. <laughs> as first time well, readers. I will say this. I took special note of the Shiva the first time I read. But his reactions, I misread because of context. I thought he was an Ashaman and he was on Rand's side because he was Ashaman, right? Mm-hmm. And because he's sort of like talking down to the Aes Sedai, he was sort of throwing his weight around. He was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I was I was on board with the Ashaman, yeah. sort of like stamping down their authority and that sort of thing. Bringing in Dharma Flynn and sort of being a bit a bit insolent. I thought like his, um, his sort of borderline recalcitrant behavior like his lack of respect sometimes the way he looked at men and stuff was more of an indication of like just how wild the ashaman 
are as a concept, like how unpredictable and erratic they could mm. be. Uh, but after finding out who he is, all those things read completely differently mm. like they do for us now. Like in my notes, I call him Agonor. Yeah. I don't call him Deshiva specifically because of that. <laughs> <Yeah. answer. laughs> I also just called him <laughs> Agonor yeah. just a few pages back. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, in hindsight, now that we mm. know, obviously, mm. we can see all these things differently. But uh, it should have been clearer upon the first route if we had been paying attention but the thing is we didn't know we needed to pay so much attention the first time no we, we did we just didn't realize it because we mm. knew at the stage of the black hour just infiltrated the tower but we never thought that the black tower could also be infiltrated by the black Aja. it's tower then mm. Aja, and now there's black so mm -hmm. i mean yeah like we I, were, I was we paying were attention but the context is different mm -hmm. with the reveal in yeah. mind you read those things completely differently. Anyway, we digress again. And I think he's he's re he's revealed in in book nine during the cleansing of the source, isn't he? Like that's where we we figure out we learn that he is a that he's Agonor. Uh, I think, he's one of the ones. Callback, but I think it's when they mm, attack I Rand. So. I don't know if it's at the cleansing. Maybe it's at the cleansing. I think so. That's what I think. There's an attack on Rand anyway. with a couple of turncoat um, Ashaman, and then that Rand tracks down to farm adding remember that whole thing yes yes i do but i could be conflating storylines there's time we'll for that. get there another two and a half years of time for us to go through that <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so bashir they're all ready to go all right bashir raises his sword and calls out my lord dragon and then it's followed by shouts rippling down the lines the lord dragon ran seizes uh side opens a gateway four paces by four paces Right into the great square of Tamaz. Like, fuck all that outside <laughs> outside the city fighting with, you know, towers and traps. Straight into the heart. Into the great square of Tamaz. Into the heart of Ilian. Tying off the weave. He knows how to tie off weaves. Mm -hmm. They pour through. Rand and the Ashman go first. And then the rest of the soldiers. It's the mounted, the mounted uh, Saldeans. Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of other people, I imagine. Uh, while Rand weaves a loudspeaker... <laughs> screaming i am the dragon reborn bitches i'm paraphrasing a smidge but yeah uh the whole city hears him with that weave bashir and his detachment head straight and then there's like two more that flank off to the sides and their mission scare the bejesus out of everyone mm -hmm. in the city the idea there being that they clear out all the uh non-combatants from the place before absolute hell is going to break loose mm -hmm. So the charging men are screaming and the channelers are throwing fireballs for the, through the sky. Except for Deshiva, who's creating blue lightnings. It's like, all right, okay. Again, Deshiva. <laughs> standing apart. Rand weaves another small gateway almost immediately. One to the top of the, one of the towers of the king's palace. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, you don't need to know the area at all if you only want to travel a short distance. Mm -hmm. Capital T travel. And he also wants a good vantage point of the city. Uh, he can see all the way out over the marshes surrounding the city from up here and, of course, over all the rooftops and everything. So he then, along with all the other Ashman, as previously uh, uh, planned, send out, like, no specific flows of every element fanning out over the whole city and all the surroundings. And they trigger all of Samael's traps and wards. Genius. Um, 
genius like a non-specific weave just just flows Mm. and where these flows touch each other they create explosions of sparks and colored steam Mm. and they say in the book like enough to make an illuminated jealous or something you know i've got the idea like like waves like when you've got like waves coming back and forward in a like kind of riptide and they come together and stuff but way cooler Mm. so that kind of effect uh he then releases the source along with all the other ashaman as planned again beforehand and we wait because he told them like listen no one after we've after we've set off all the traps no one channel because if i feel you channeling i'm going to assume you're samael and i'm going to kill you (laughs) so everybody fucking let go so the weaves all disappear and then you can hear all the random shouts and small skirmish sounds from around the city as Bashir's men clash with Samael's alienaires, you know, and like, but we're, Rand's basically just atop this tower in silence, just waiting. Like, so much time passes, actually, that Rand thinks that Samael isn't going to show himself. Mm-hmm. That loses memories had actually just been, honestly, the ramblings of his own madness. Mm-hmm. But it's really just the car before the storm. Because he got all of this, like, uh, these ideas and stuff from from his memories with uh, with uh, Luce Theron. Mm-hmm. So... Big part of the planning. But now, nothing's happening. So it's just the calm before the storm. And then he feels a man channeling. Enough power for a gateway in the direction of the Grand Hall of the Council. So he weaves his own into the Grand Hall. And as he sets foot on the other side, the tower he was just standing on explodes, sending fire and shards of stone and dust and all kinds of shit through the gateway, knocking him to the ground. Before he can get up off his face, because he's on his face, Mm -hmm. Uh, Samael again channels what I cl- what I call fire rain through the roof around the area of Rand's gateway, mm-hmm. and it, one of these like long tendrils of red hot fire mm-hmm. rain clip him in the heel. So, just just to recap now, Rand has literally just woken up mm-hmm. <laughs> in, from being this attack. He's got this new scar. He's weak, and now he's also he like been stuck struck in the heel. So the rest of the time he's kind of like hobbling around mm. with this this wound in his in his heel. So he rolls onto his back, and he is about to return balefire when he remembers Cadswain slapping him in the face, telling him never to do that again. Mm. So he kind of alters the weave before he sends it off to copy the the fire mm. rain, and he sends it back through the roof, and then jumps to his feet and and hobbles out of there. While he's busy running along, he sees some people. There's another one of these little <laughs> comic scenes where he sees a, a servant kind of like pop his head around the corner and then like they lock eyes <laughs> and the servant slowly moves backward uh, like to disappear. Like Maybe if I move slowly, he, he, wouldn't, he won't see me. And Rand just like watches him slowly move away like, okay. And then carries on running. Mm-hmm. And then he hears Samael over the whole city using the same PA system weave that, that he used mm-hmm. earlier. To scream, Ilian belongs to me. I won't destroy what belongs to me. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here basically, but he says, like, let's take this fight outside if you've got the balls to yeah. follow me. Samael weaves a gateway for Rand to follow. It's pretty obvious. And they head to Shadow Logoth. Dum dum da. Yes, we're heading to Shadow Logoth. The sun is almost down now, and you don't want to be in this neck of the woods at night. No. So Rand figures he should, you know, get moving and finish this as fast as possible. Good plan, Rand. So a cat and mouse game ensues. Well, at least Rand thinks it's a cat and mouse game. He's the only one running around looking. Um, But he doesn't know that yet. Sneaking around the city, feeling for Sidene, feeling for channeling. Uh, And here he feels, and I quote, 
The Dark One's taint on Saidin, beating in time with a knife slash across his ribs. Mm-hmm. Is this where he gets the idea for the cleansing? Maybe. Like, is this the... I think this is the moment. Because mm-hmm. later on, he'll remember this and go like, hey, wait a minute. Mm. Saidin, Dark One's taint, slash on ribs. Mm-hmm. I figure this is it. I think mm-hmm. this is what I... Flynn, Flynn also makes a comment about it when he heals it. That the two seem to be cancelling each mm-hmm. other out. So maybe they speak about it as well. But like, yeah, the, the, the clues certainly are there for him. Yeah, but that's that's not in Shadow Logoth. I mean, Shadow no. Logoth plays a big part in the cleansing. So I think this is where, like, the Dark One's taint and, yeah, the, the slash across his ribs. But now in Shadow Logoth, he's like, like, much, what? he's like, he, it's like a pumping. He feels um, a beating in time. Like, Yari mm. can feel it. What, what Flynn notices is that the two, the reason the, um, evils aren't spreading is be, or like getting worse is because they are also fighting yeah. each other so ran exactly. knows that there is some kind of a reaction between them to put it plainly boringly indeed indeed well here it begins yeah. here's the yeah that healing and over here we get some more clues as to mm-hmm. as to what's coming the enemy of my enemy is my friend those two dark mm. ones are in competition it's also the like mm. it goes yeah. back to that whole theme there's a middle class. The middle class is the normal dark. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to carry on now. Dude. <laughs> There's nothing else. All right. Before we get into a discussion about how the, the disappearing middle class. Uh, anyway, he sees someone while he's skulking about dash between the buildings in the distance. Um and now he realizes, well, he heard screams mm-hmm. when he first entered the city. Mm-hmm. And wait, nothing lives here to scream. Mm-hmm. So he figures Samael brought some henchmen with him. <laughs> Poor bastards. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, just around the corner, he sees some trollocs. And he also sees Lyra. Mm-hmm. Hey, how the hell is she still alive? So she attacks the trollocs. FYI, uh, Lyra, Leah, whoever you want to pronounce it. The maiden that they left behind last time when they were here and they couldn't find her. She's still alive. She attacks the Trollocs and kills them, obviously. Mm. Uh, she's, she's still, you know, that side of her is still 100% Iel. And Rand calls out to her and, like, chases her down. He's like, oh, wait, come here. Uh, when he catches up, she has clearly lost her mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> living in this place has not been kind to her. She's hissing at him like mine no one may come here at him and he's like trying to calm her down is like liar it's, it's me you know it's randall thor and everything um and she recognizes him but she just freaks out again and like, calls her the car car and veils herself and wails and runs off into the distance and she's gone again but rand's like well fuck i can't leave her behind again because her name is you know burnt into my memory along with hundreds of others and follows her so as he comes around the corner to follow her, he runs into four Trollocs and a Madral. He instinctively channels the Sword of Fire and then immediately thinks, oh, I should have done what the Ashaman done at, at Dumai's Wells. But it's too late now. Uh, but he, anyway, deals with them quite easily. His first attack is the Madral with one slice of his blade, chops its head off. Mm. Like, <laughs> I don't even think that Madral had time to raise its sword. Uh, and then he attacks the the Trollocs and you know deals with them quite quickly but of course Samael feels the channeling and it's time to dance among the lightning bolts again as he rains down destruction on his general area so Rand flees into a building where the floor collapses underneath him you remember everything's old and dingy mm-hmm. here 
Um, he manages to catch the rim of the hole that has opened up under him, but the wound in his side is still pretty fresh, and he's about to fall in, down into this hole when a man appears and grabs his arm and helps him up. So we all know this Dwiss is Moradin, mm-hmm. but Rand, with Luz's memories, doesn't recognize him. Well, new body, new face, and all that stuff. So we've, we've seen, like, they do describe him in the book, so a new reader should recognize him as this tall man with the black hair, and we've met him before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rand doesn't. So, however, you know, he is clearly not an ordinary man. For one, he's in Shadow Logoth mm-hmm. <laughs> and doesn't seem to be perturbed about it. And also, he calls Rand a fool the second he grabs his arm. He's like, you bloody fool. And he names drops uh, Samael as well. So, he knows what's going on, yeah. obviously. Like, Rand's, like, very suspicious now of this dude. So, Rand asks him, like, who the hell are you? Like, uh, But he replies with only a, uh, I'm a wanderer just passing through. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But uh, during this conversation... While this is happening, a wave of mashadar starts flowing over the balconies above them. I, I imagine they're like in like an amphitheater, look, maybe a place, maybe it was like a, an old um, uh, governmental building or something. And there's like a, a circle floor in the bottom and then all these massive balconies yeah. going up yeah. and out. You know? So massive, massive dome as well. That's what I figured uh, they were in. And this wave of mashadar starts flowing over these balconies above them. And when they realize it, they both instinctively react by shooting it with bale fire. Because, of course, As you do. <laughs> that's the go-to, <laughs> the go-to weave mm-hmm. amongst these guys. And their streams cross. The, the famous scene, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, they both convulse. Their heads feel like they're inside of a brass bell being rung and their vision blurs and they are incapacitated for a moment. Um, but luckily, Mashadar is also not a fan of Balefire and has uh, since retreated, giving them time to recover. And Rand's like, what the, hell, what the hell happened there? And Moradin is also in the dark, so to speak, mm-hmm. about what the hell happened. He doesn't know what happened. But now they are linked forever. Uh, Samael, of course, felt that Balefire. So, of course, time to run again, which they do, led by... Uh, by Moradin, he's like, we should run. Yeah. <laughs> and he makes makes haste. Uh, and the lightning falls down on their position again. But Rand has now lost the void. He did that when the, when all the shit happened. you know, and, and he's still disorientated. And he's not recovered from Fane's attack. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on now with him. Uh, and he's stumbling more than running while the building crumbles around him. And they both burst out into the side street. And again, Rand asks, who are you? Thinking he might be one of Taim's men mm-hmm. or Taim's men. After seeing the man shoot balefire from his hand. So he must be a channeler. And he tells Moradin, who he doesn't know is Moradin, like, he doesn't have to fear Aes Sedai. He can go to the Black Tower. Like, we can help you. And Moradin snaps, like, I- I've never feared Aes Sedai. And gives Rand some, some tips, basically, on how, on how to find Samael. <laughs> like, you need to start thinking with him. He doesn't want to tell him because he knows where Samael mm-hmm. is. But Rand's just running around in circles. He's like, you are a fool. Like, you're lucky I don't want to kill you. Because if I wanted to kill you, you'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Rand realizes through some very blatant prompting from Moradin that Samael is at the Waygate because Sammy likes to kill his enemies near one of their great triumphs or somewhere near that they have marked. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And Rand's like, oh, wait, I marked a Waygate. And now the Trollocs in the city that came through that Waygate are not going to be alive very much longer, afterthought. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he put the ward on the Waygate. That's where Samael is. So turning to leave, Moradin tells him, like, don't, please don't get killed. You know, <laughs> I have to change so many plans if you die mm-hmm. uh, and disappears down an alley. Rand runs after him to get more answers like, don't die. What plans? What are you talking about? But he's already gone. Yeah. And it's impossible that he weaved a, a gateway. It's like within a second. 
Um, and that's where, this is, yeah, where Rand realizes that there was not enough time, first of all, to weave this gateway. Also, there are no traces of a gateway. He wouldn't have been able to see the residue. And he didn't feel the man channel either. And come to think of it, he didn't feel him when he channeled Balefire either. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and just this thought makes his vision blur again, and he can see Moradin's face in his mind, clear as day, for a second. So he shakes his head clear of this, and now, well, this dude's fucking gone, i got shit to do. He refocuses on Samael and heads to the Waygate, or in the general direction of. Along the way, he manages to regain the void and, you know, embrace the source once again, and he sees more Trollocs and more Madrol, but he leaves them alone, knowing that, like, they've come through the Waygates, they are going to die horribly anyway, and I don't want to give away my position again by channeling. Mm-hmm. So before reaching the old Ogier Grove where the Waygate is, he sees a tower, about 50 paces or spans, or I don't know what measurement it was, and it looks pretty stable, all things considering mm-hmm. other towers in the, in the area. Uh, so he heads up there so he can have the high ground. I'm thinking he, he thought if it worked for Obi-Wan, it'll work <laughs> for me. Again... We await atop a tower for Samael. It's like, Rand is very predictable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the second tower you've been on yep. top trying to find Samael. And he finally shows himself. So he's looking down, like Rand's looking down, and there's no movement, there's no nothing. And Samael kind of like walks out between these columns from another old building, uh, looks like an old palace, into the square in front of the waygate. Rand sees Mashadar oozing out of the balconies above Samael, foring falling directly down onto him like a wave and like gathering speed. So this is where it gets confusing, uh, Vili, mm. but not not too confusing. Rand readies Balefire. This is his one chance. He's, again, straight to the Balefire. But before he can use it, he hears a woman shrieking in agony and turns his head to see Lyre atop a mound of rubble. And she's slowly being engulfed by Mashadars, like got her foot or something. Mm. And she's already freaking the fuck out. There's nothing he can do to save her at this point. So he decides he'll redirect this balefire on her and at least save her the horror of death by Mashadar, yeah. which no one should endure. And like, kind of like take her out of the pattern before she even felt Mashadar killing her. So she'll, it'll be uh, without agony. And balefires her. Samael has also been distracted by Lyra's shriek at this point. And he's also turned to look at it. So he doesn't notice Mashadar, the Mashadar wave crashing down onto him from the balconies above. So Rand's bale firing Lyre out of the pattern and then just slashes the, the bar of light towards Samael's position using the same one. It's like cutting through buildings. Mm. But by the time he gets there, he's already been engulfed by Mashadar and dies in the least climactic way mm-hmm. imaginable. And I think this is the reason for the confusion is that we were expecting something <laughs> better than this. It's like, oh, while, while Rand was looking away, he dies. Yeah. Like, what? Really? Mm-hmm. This is what happened? Rand, yeah, you know, the, <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, I googled it. He is dead. Yes. <laughs> like, confirmed. Oh, yeah, there's some, later on in the books, there, there is someone posing as Samael, like, causing cuck, but it's not him. No. Confirmed by RJ in interviews that he died. Samael like, what? died because Lame. Rand killed Liar. Yeah, some, somehow I'll die because Lyre screamed. Yes. And he got distracted for like Not a second. because of Rand bail firing. There's no bail fire involved in Samal's death. No. He is taken out no. by this fog, Masha, Masha, Masha Da. 
Mashadah, because Mashadah is not occupied mm-hmm. at that point by Leia. So Rand killing her made its focus wholly move to Samael and killed Samael mm-hmm. I... right there and then. They're I in two different places. They're in two different places, but it's a sentient thing everywhere. It was coming over him already. No, we just we just spoke about this it's not earlier, sentient. That Mashadar is not sentient. The no, that's of this, a, no, very popular. That's, that's what I mean. But what I'm saying is, it the fog went over Samael, like from the top. At the same time, the fog yes, but it was already doing that. Was grabbing at Leia, and she's in a different place. In a different place. So Rand. Mm-hmm. Put his attention there. He saw. He saw what's happening. He can't help her. So he said, "Okay." Before he was already going to bail fire at Samal. Then he bail fired mm-hmm. her by yes. undoing yes. the connection that was with her. In uh, because she's been avoiding that white smoke for literal weeks. So it was preoccupied mm. with trying to get her for so long. But the minute she was undone, that preoccupation went away. And all of a sudden, there was a new target right underneath him and it. And it said, cool, let's kill this. All right. So, a couple things. <laughs> Mashadar is all over the city. Mm-hmm. It's in multiple places at once. It's, it's vast. Leah and Samile are not near each other. No. They're like across a courtyard from each other. Yeah, even further. Wide expanse. Yes. This wave of fog that was rearing up behind Samael was descending down towards him before Leah screamed. Mm -hmm. Leah, somewhere else, standing on a pile of rubble, screams when Mashadar is already a thin tendril of it was touching her. So a different part mm-hmm. of Mashadar. Mashadar doesn't focus on one person throughout the city. It's killing multiple Trollocs and things all over the city. It's a dumb fog. It's not concentrating on a single target. It's coming down on some aisle. It's attacking Leah. It's killing Trollocs over there. It's all happening at the same time. Leah screams and some aisle looks at her. And when Rand looks back and he's sort of slashed back with the, um, with the balefire after killing Leah, Samael's already been killed by Mashadar. I don't think that Mashadar is concentrating on Leah and by Leah being removed from the pattern a couple seconds, I don't think Mashadar would have moved faster to get to Samael. Mashadar is moving over here. I'm gesturing to our podcast listeners as if they can see that. Yeah, but, they can see it. But like, but like, it's happening in two different places. Is, is this something that you had read, Vil, in your quest to make sense of what happened yeah i would i was reading a lot of stuff all over the shop because none of it made sense for me and then i came across this one particular theory that interests me like Mm -hmm. the idea that her Mm. being killed by rand and not just killed it's not like oh damn she's dead and removed removed out of it had an effect of um on the whatever the hell Mushin Shin is. And Mashadar. it then... Mashadar. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Focus moved to <laughs> Samael, which was the next... I think what maybe is misleading here is the word focus, because it mm. doesn't have focus. Mm. No, yes. 
It, it wasn't. It hasn't been trying to get her for weeks. It doesn't know that it's a one person that he's been hunting or whatever. I think. I, I think the problem is the problem arises is because it's such a simple answer that is c- completely boring, and we're trying to find more meaning in it when there isn't. The wave was already coming down on him, and the, the text even says the holy text says it was increasing his, in speed, and that the he was unaware of it. That mm. he died. Yes, he was unaware of it. And the only reason he died, he didn't notice it, was because Leah screamed and he turned his head. It was one second of distraction and then Mashadar got him. And that's it. There's nothing more to the story, in my opinion. Previously, in this same event now, when Rand and Moradin Mm. crosses streams, Mashadar flinched away from the balefire. Why Mm -hmm. didn't it happen now when Rand balefired her... And then drag the mm-hmm. balefire across. Like okay, cool. It's dragging it, it across did happen. to So as so as Rand balefires across, Mashadar recedes again. Oh, okay. Because when Rand It's already when it's already killed somebody. When Rand balefires Mashadar, it doesn't undo all of Mashadar is suddenly gone because Rand touched it with balefire. It's undoing little bits of it where it's touching it and it recoils mm. from that. Uh, okay. So as Rand is sweeping the balefire back to where Samal was standing, it recedes and Samal is no longer there. Rand senses that he couldn't have left, that he must have been dead. It wasn't the balefire that killed him. It was Mashadar. Mm. Then, yeah, because this all happens in seconds. Mm. It's like Mashadar. And like the thing is that that key is like the, the, the wave on top of Samal is accelerating. He hears the scream thinks for a second, bailfies her, but before he can even turn around, it's already done. Samael's already gone. He's dead. And then the bailfire sweeps across and the, the, the mist withdraws and he's gone. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's very simple because it's lame. It should have been cooler. <laughs> and it isn't. In my, this is how I read it. Samael peered into the darkness, lying across the square, and Mashadar oozed out of the windows, thick billows of silver-grey fog sliding together, merging as they loomed above his head. Samal walked a little to one side, and the wave began to descend, slowly picking up speed as it fell. Rand shook his head. Samal was his. The flows needed for balefire seemed to gather themselves despite the far echo of Catswain's voice. He raised his hand. A scream tore the darkness, a woman shrieking. So, like, in this moment when Leah's screaming, Mashadar is already descending on Samael. And instead mm. of Samael being aware of what's happening around him, he's distracted by Leah's scream. And in that moment, Mashdar gets it. It's already picking up speed to get him. It doesn't Dead. it doesn't need help. Samael is distracted enough for Mashdar just to come down above him. He's unaware of it because he sort of steps to his to the side one a little bit. You know, he's not he's not actively avoiding Mashdar. That is actively descending upon him. He's not reacting. All right. I feel we've flogged a dead horse with that one. Mm. Samael, dead. Leah, dead. Everyone else in that city, dead. Rand, alive. Um, Rand, alive. Rand is still up on his tower. Mm. He spends some time in contemplation on the tower. Uh, It's been a hard day, man. Mm -hmm. So before he skims the 30 minutes back to Ilion. Because he doesn't know where he is, so he can't make a gateway. Uh, But he can skim. Mm -hmm. And off he goes. Skimmy, skimmy, skimmy. Back to the throne room in the king's palace where Bashir, 
the Usherman, and eight of the nine council high lords are waiting for him. Lord Brend, uh, suspiciously, <laughs> not there. Uh, Rand tells Bashir that Samael is dead, uh, and Deshiva lets out a loud sigh. <laughs> yes, draw our attention back to Deshiva again. Bashir tells him the city is theirs, and introduces him to the High Lords, who have been eagerly awaiting him. This is where we learn that, look, once they found out that you were not trying to kill them, uh, like that you were the Dragon Reborns men, everybody was like, oh, okay, okay, let's stop fighting now. So the battle is over quite quickly, with minimal casualties. Um, one of the High Lords, Grigorin, tells him that Lord Brend is missing. Like, all nine of them would have been here, but Lord Brend is, is we can't find him. Rand tells him, like, listen, you, you won't see him again. Um, and they also think that he killed the king, Matin Stepanos, who disappeared two days ago. Uh, while Lord Brend apparently was distracted somewhere else, the king had decided to try and reclaim some of his power, and uh, he, got, uh, he got too close to doing that, so they think that he might have just undone him. Um, this High Lord Grigorin offers Rand the Laurel Crown, as it's called. Laurel leaves in a circlet with little swords in between them, some pointing up and some pointing down. Not an easy crown to wear. Uh, Rand wants to know, like, first of all, why are you offering me this crown? Because I conquered you? And they're like, yeah, that too, but also because you sent us grain from Tyr, from our old enemies, and without it, we were all died of starvation ages ago. And Rand's like, oh, shit, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> they kept on doing that after I, after I disappeared and didn't speak to them again about it. Apparently, they were scared shitless of him, so they just kept doing it. And without it, the whole city would have been dead. So they're kind of, like, grateful. And since you conquered us, you know, that is also plays a part of it, uh, you are now our king. So Rand accepts and puts the crown on his own head. And Grigorin announces him Rand Althor, King of Ilion. And Deshiva takes it up a notch with a cry of All hail Rand Althor, King of the World. And Rand thinks, that has a good sound to it. And we're all like, <laughs> whoa, 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 Rand. <laughs> Easy, lose. I mean, Rand. Rand. <laughs> Rand Althor, King of the World. And so the story spread of Rand Althor, the Dragon Reborn, and King of Ilion handed the crown, now renamed as the Crown of Swords, by Matin Stepanaos himself? Or did he take it from his corpse? Who knows about all these stories? And all manner of stories spread, but for some reason, all of them finished with the words, A storm is coming. And there ends our chapter and our book. Mm. And Samael. And Samael. We'll, we'll get back to your Samael theory in a second. I have had a thought yeah. in the ensuing minutes. But yeah, there it is. Crown of Swords. Done. done and dusted. Well done, gentlemen. Before we relitigate the bale firing of Leah and Mashadar's effect on Samael, is there anything else, Vili, that you wanted to say about that chapter? Again, any big <laughs> fight where Rand is going to fight a Forsaken is going to be a messy magic affair. It gets, mm. It's not the first time when he was um, battling in Radian with, uh, what's his name? Um, Asmodian. Asmodian. It, it was the same thing. It was messy. It was over here, over mm. there, jumping up in this tower again, windows, mm. and like... It's confusing, and I think it's written confusing so that you can be confused 
about it all. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> we have seen through all of these volumes that if something is meant to be understood, you will get told four times. This mm. is how you need to <laughs> yes. understand it. It's we go on at length about, you know, how colorful this books can be. And then you have the grand showdown and then it's fucking black and white. There's no Chaos. context. There's men fighting in the sky that's projected over everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's a well that's being drunk up and silver cords hanging from people's backs. Like fucking mm -hmm. shit that doesn't happen anywhere Rand, in the books. Rand turning into a trollic in Teleronryon fighting yes. Ravin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, that was fucked up. Come on, look at it's every... Shit every battle with a forsaken so for me now i've gotten to the point like if it's going to be a forsaken showdown like none of it's going to make sense everything's going to be mm -hmm. hidden like just fucking look for the answers forward in the books because there's there isn't really anything ever that you just left confused itching for the mm -hmm. next book to explain what the fuck just happened i mean part of that can be frustrating but part of it is also kind of Cool because you don't think that Rand would be able to just face down a Forsaken and best them at their own game, right? Like it almost, it has to be chaotic. The messy mm. fights actually suit Rand because the chaos of it often helps him. Like yeah, Mashadar, you know, like an mm. unknown entity, um, you know, entering into it. Nynaeve happening to be in Teleronriad with Mogidian at the time while he's fighting Ravin, you know, like um, Aganor killing himself. Right, Agenor drew too much from the eye of the world. That's that's why Rand won. So like, there's there's a lot of stuff that um, actually helps Rand out in that chaos. So mm. I I like the fact that it is messy like this. I am one of those people that, as a kid, would watch a movie and then the credit starts rolling. I'm like, what the fuck? This is not done. What happened? I need to know the rest of it. <laughs> like it's you didn't straight do a, to the forums. You didn't do a good job. You didn't leave me walking around. <laughs> Here's a good movie, man. I understood everything. It's like there's gaps. You know, now you go and you jump on like I did immediately. Like, okay, cool. Right. I know it's Moradin. Let's stay with him. I don't need to look that up. I know that they, they get now, they touch tips and um, they're connected. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, to just add a little bit more petrol to your fire, um, I will say this. Samael didn't make a sound. Rand didn't hear anything come from Samile when Mashadar killed him. So if what Rand did to Leah meant that Samile died slightly earlier, then Rand would have not heard the sound. Yes. You know, like yes. if it meant Mashadar killing him yes. a bit sooner. Yes, because the undoing <laughs> of her actioned it faster mm. in the attack. It happened sooner. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, I think there's a little bit in there. It's we gotta take it like okay, cool. It's a, it's a cool thought, certainly. I mean, the Balefire time travel shenanigans are uh, again like with the naive boat suddenly being at the bottom of the river. Mm. Like that stuff is pretty fast and loose, you know. Like yeah, that is, is that is that has a lot of paradoxes in itself, but it's it's yeah. a paradoxical tool. Like you you have to understand how much it can do damage. Like you can burn yeah. so much out of the pattern that it affects like fucking things years back. You change and how history. much they channel determines mm. how far back in the pattern mm. they remove from this. It's mm. like a sliding mm. scale. It's not just it's always gone. Yeah, yeah, so like yeah. How long ago did that rock from the wall 
cease to exist so that it could fall over at a different time. It's it's all fucking like, fuzzy logic. I, I love the control Z power of um, Balefire. <laughs> I think that it's not the problem at all in any of the understanding of the mechanics. That Balefire for me works no. well. Uh, timeline shenanigans, though, is is a tough one. <laughs> All right, now that we've argued the climax here to death, there's, I have a bunch of notes about the rest of the chapter, <laughs> which are going <laughs> to feel extremely anticlimactic, but there's, there is some stuff I wanted to say here. Did you have anything else? I, I, hesitate, I hesitate to use the word climax to describe the ending of this book, <laughs> yes. but sure. I'm going to I'm gonna take my half-broken stick and break it fully over this dead horse uh, by saying okay. the last thing. <laughs> There's a reason that Lyra was such a focus brought in at that time when she went missing and the massive amount of time spent looking for her and mm-hmm. going back to that same place and finding her. Like she is too mm-hmm. an important thing to not be involved. Rand is Tavirin. He went there. He left something behind there through his Tavirin nature to mm-hmm. set this up for yeah. him. So she being there had to. Her bail firing is critical to this. Otherwise, we've wasted an hour's worth of book time. Well, of, okay. the hole in that theory <laughs> is that even just her being there and distracting someone could also have caused that. She doesn't have to be bail yeah, fired necessarily. She could just be there and scream. I don't think, yeah, her, her presence is the, is the important thing. Not so. That still satisfies your statement. And it had to be an Aiel. It had to be a maiden because no one else would have survived that long. Yes. Left behind in that city. Yeah. So, yeah. Dead horse, beaten thoroughly. Now double dead. <laughs> Removed from the pattern, yes. even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bail fire this horse. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Will you guys suffer my notes go, go, go. from the rest of the chapter? Yes, please. I'd... Okay. Let's go. Interesting thing here. Uh, Bera and Karuna are often around with Amis, so they seem to be favored mm-hmm. among the Aes Sedai with the wise ones, or at least with Amis. Um, And then Rand notes that, oddly, if he had ever seen three people stand together, and not just physically, it was those three, shoulder to shoulder as one. Amis, Bera, and Karuna. Hmm. What? (laughs) Why? Look, Bera and Karuna are level-headed. When it comes to Aes Sedai, I actually rate those guys. Mm. They have their their little power Mm -hmm. play thing that they go on. They're intelligent. They're strong in the power. Mm-hmm. They, I think that it, as the wise ones would look at them and go like, "Hey, out of all the Aes Sedai, you guys seem the least worst." Yes, very different. Bera um, seems mm. to immediately, or not immediately, but is much more willing to accept the sort of the wise one authority and power structure. And Karuna is the one that sort of resisted being a noble. You know, she she's she's. Varen makes mention of it again. I've cheated in Path of Daggers. Varen's thinking about Karuna, like she thinks about how she could do better by like just playing along with the wise ones like Varen is. Um, it'll save her some shame and that sort of mm. thing. Um, but yes, they are certainly, they, I mean, this is the second time they're in Rand's room with Amis. Uh, John and Adley was brought with Rand from Duma as well. So Joe, I also like, I was like, oh, okay, I know that name. Why have I not kept track of this person? because mm. he's not been around. Um, but yes, he was brought by Rand from Dumas Wells and has been acting as a messenger between Rand and the armies marching to Ilion. He was one of the first on the farm, along with Eben Hopwell and Darmaflin and those guys. He was there. John and Adley was there when Tahim starts training them the first time. 
Um, mm-hmm. And his fate is he loses control of Sidin near Ibudar at some point, and Rand accidentally kills him when he loses control of Kalandor. So don't get too attached to old John and Adley. Um, nope. When Rand says something about uh, the Shadow Logoth dagger, Deshiva or Aganor mutters a curse with Paden Fane's name in it. So I wonder if Aganor knows the whole story of Paden Fane. You know, does he you know what Shamal and the Troller cook parts and like using him as the hound and all that stuff? I wonder if he knows that stuff. Then. I'm sure. Two typos in my chapter, in my printing of the book. Firstly, Catswain mm-hmm. says, you would have been dead if it wasn't for the efforts of Sumiko. You mean Sumitsu. Sumiko is a kinswoman in Ibudar. She didn't touch Rand. I just that shit. Ah, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I see my now. Now you've started something. I'm going to get good by Kittle. <laughs> And then the other thing is, in my book, it says the square of Tammuz. Tammuz? The Illuminator. Yeah. No, that's not right. It's it's, it's supposed to be Tamaz, right? Tamaz. My book says Tammuz. <laughs> yeah. So two typos. Um, while you guys go through your books and see if you find the Sumitsu Sumiko oddity that we have called out before is like this is going to be confusing to us i mean it happened to the actual printing of my book when rant says you know everyone clear out of the room agonor prepares a weave to render all the aes Sedai and all the everyone in the room like in pain in such a way that no one can channel like he's already preparing the weaves and rant's like no stop that it's fine <laughs> don't do that <laughs> take it easy um, i also have you finally some benefit from the maidens treating rand like a son or a brother the whole time he doesn't have much modesty left so he just gets up naked in front of all of them proud of rand for that yeah, it does come back to him though. By the time he's 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 happy that his head is inside the cupboard because maybe he does have a little bit of shame. Well, he head. doesn't until Corel says, and what a beautiful bottom it is as well. When Catswain says she's going <laughs> to yeah, spank yeah. him on his bottom, Corel makes a comment about yeah. his bottom and he's like, okay, maybe I'm not. Corel is this other Aes Sedai that's also performed healing on Rand and she's, you know, second only to um, Sumitsu and Dharma Flynn. She's also super intrigued by Dharma Flynn's healing and off page they have a lot of interactions. She later bonds Dharma Flynn as her warder. Who bonds Sumiko. him? Corel. Corel. The other Aes Sedai that's in the room here that we haven't read about that Cadswain says thanks to the thanks to the efforts of Sumitsu or she says Sumiko in my book Sumitsu, Dharma Flynn and Corel here you are alive. And this is the other Aes Sedai that we said wasn't present in the healing previously, but has obviously also participated in some subsequent healing sessions after that event. And the one that I said is second only to Sumitsu in terms of Aes Sedai mm. healing. Well, my book says, uh, yeah, Karel and Sumitsu. Yeah, mine says Sumiko. My book says Sumitsu. Yeah, interesting. Oh. I've got my Kindle, the hardcover and the paperback. I'm going to compare them all while you guys check. Talk. Check the paperback because <laughs> that's the one I have. This one. Yeah. What page? I don't know, Joe. Six hundred ninety-eight. Uh, Jesus, brew. I have here that it's cool that Rand can read Min's tone when she says to him that she needs to be with him. He's like, ah, she must have had a viewing. Yep. Spot on. Um. I also took note of the fact that Rand, when he's walking weekly to the cupboard, he can't let anyone know, including the Ashaman. Like, if he lets them know that he's weak, he might lose control of them, which is um, pretty scary. Yeah, and correct. 
Um, the thing that Katsway needs to teach Rand and the Ashaman is, so this is from the fandom wiki, from her conversations with Sorelia in the Path of Daggers and also with Varen in Winter's Heart, Katswain says she will teach them laughter and tears. She also speaks of teaching him the difference between being strong and hard. And then Rand has stated that Katswain pushed him on the path mm. he is now on and is learning to be human again. Rand then sends word with Naif to the Black Tower to inform the inhabitants that they are men, not weapons. But it is not clear if the message will have effects on the men who seem to be changing in a negative fashion. It did have an effect mm. on those who didn't change. So Catswain does teach Rand this thing or helps him, sets him on this path to learn these differences between being strong and being hard. Um, and that does in in turn affect the rest of the Ashaman when he sends the message back. It's just your book, Moritz. My paper bag also says Samitsu. Wow. Um I loved how when Rand says that they're going to kill Samuel today, nobody reacts except Agenor, who looks startled. And um, Yeah, I'm like, wait, you're killing, <laughs> we're killing Forsaken? You know, some of these Forsaken are pretty cool guys, you know. Well, I don't think that Agenor necessarily... <laughs> have a chat with them. I don't think Agenor necessarily likes Samuel and wants to prevent that. I think he's just like, he knows what a, what a threat that can be. But behind closed doors, he'd be yeah. like, okay, yeah, get the fuck rid of Samuel. Like, that's one less... But also, Contender for Rand killing Forsaken is not a good precedent to be setting, no. <laughs> in his opinion. No, it's not. No. Um, when Agenor seems to let his gaze linger on Min and lick his lips, Rand opens the gateway near him so that he has to leap out of mm. his way. Yeah, like, taking off his hand will teach him some, <laughs> yeah. uh, some discipline. I'm so stoked that Rand, because I'm so desperate for Rand to always like just show everyone else that he's boss. Like, just demonstrate to them that you are calling the shots here and like... Opening a gateway, yeah. almost slicing the hand off a of Forsaken is a pretty cool way of doing that. Moritz, Sumiko in the hardcover ah, edition of the Orbit. Here we go. So yeah, thank God I got all three copies out. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it's just so funny oh, that yeah. that's that thing we said is going to be confusing. And here it is. Like the editors missed it. <laughs> the editors are confusing. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they can't blame yeah. us. Um, it's very cool. Like Davram Bashir's um, emblem on his flag is the King's Penny Blossom, uh, which mm. doesn't die back in even the Saldean winters. And after a fire, they are the first to return. A blossom nothing could kill. That's a cool flower I to have that, on yeah, your sigil. I, read, I remember that. It's like if you're going to have flowers on your sigil, <laughs> yes. there's actually something. Make it that one. actually something badass about having a flower that's impossible to like the. The, uh, the sort of like the soft nature of it as your sigil is also making mm. a statement, which is cool. Um, I love how Bashir refers to Matt as young Matt. Like it's a sort of really like mm. familiar phrasing and how this is one of the five great captains is like, he still gives Matt credit, like where credit is due. Mm -hmm. Young Matt and I had figured this thing out together. It's just, you know, always that thing about lending Matt's um, skills, some um, some credence or some some weight. Um, then, cool read on Samuel that Liz knew that he would never relinquish something he thought was his, however tenuous his claim. Mm. So Rand knows going into Ilian itself and capturing the city would draw Samuel out because Samuel wouldn't let that go. That's knowledge yep. only um, Liz would have. And then also, obviously, triggering all the wars and traps at the same time. I thought that combination was really great. Um, what else? You mentioned most of my notes here. When Rand tells Moradin that he can go to Camelin, to the Black Tower, and that he doesn't need to live afraid of Aes Sedai, it makes him frown. It's because Rand is afraid of Aes Sedai. Like, as he says it, he goes, why did I react that way? That's, I think Rand is still mm. afraid of them. 
I always thought Rand. Yeah. I always thought Rand was firing Balefire at some isle when his beam crosses with Moradin's. I've completely forgotten that it's just at Mashadar at some other non Samile event. Um, <laughs> it's just one of the millions of times he fires Balefire <laughs> willy nilly into the sky. Moradin's Balefire is of the true power. So I wonder if that yes. has an effect on how they interacted. Well, yeah, that's what I that's what I gathered from that. Because I mean, it's a it's a major event. It affects both of them. Yeah. And that is it. That is it for my notes. This is where, spoilers for the final book, but how Rand is able to use the one the true power in the final battle. It's because of this. His connection to Morrigan. I can't remember. It must be. I can't remember how he uses the true mm. power in the final battle, but I, what I do remember is how he uses the true power to break the, um, what are those, the male Adam? What's that called? The bands of Dominion or something, the Dominion band. Mm. When um, Semirog has that on him and she's making him strangle Min, he uses the true power to destroy the Dominion band and then lashes out it. All right. Because he can't channel the one power while he's wearing yeah. the male Adam. She had him dead to rights and he used the true power to get himself out of it. That's way before the final battle. Yeah. All right. Well, through all of that deliberation, did you guys pick a favorite moment? Yep. Vil, what's your favorite moment? Uh, Matt's bargain with the uh, sea folk. It's brilliant. He calls her you um, daughter of the sands and uh-huh. bilge water and all kinds of new words that i learned it was great i loved it and matt just all those mm. old memories giving him all the best old insults like knowing exactly who everyone is and where they're from mm. and all that stuff yeah it was very fucking cool jody your visible reaction it says <laughs> it's just the same one you chose the same one <laughs> I have it in writing as well. Uh, you actually have. Matt using Taverinness plus old memories to one up the sea folk. Amazing. It is great. Like, yeah. Before I tell you mine, I'll tell you Richard Jackson's, which is I assume everyone will pick Matt's Master of the Blades, and that's hard to beat. So I'm going instead with Heart Wrenching. Mm. Leah overcoming the corruption of Mordeth slash Mash or Shadow Logoth long enough to recognize Rand and then feeling shame for what she has become. Like, that's why she runs mm. off. She sees Rand and she realizes mm. he's the Karakhan, then runs away. So I had read Richard's contribution before I had picked my favorite moment. Mm. So I have now quite deftly avoided exactly the favorite moment that the <laughs> two of you have chosen. So it's still Matt related though. And it is just the fact that Matt takes over the way that Nynaeve and Elaine put Matt forward. So the whole thing, not just the the blades bed thing, but like him telling them what a golem is and them not listening. And then him sort of taking charge and then even taking charge of Nynaeve after the fact with his sort of, um, his, his swipe at her about the, the bad bargain that she made. And then when she reacts, he's like, ha, he's sort of like on a roll. He's like letting it ride, you know, he's like, oh, not <laughs> yeah. bad shooting in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Let it ride. That's mm-hmm. a very apt <laughs> yes. for Matt. <laughs> I'll let it ride. And then I've got two honorable mentions, which is the scene with Merrick after they step through Samuel's gateway, like I actually really enjoyed that. That really um, mm. resonated with me. And then another one is Rand making Dashiva leap out of the way with that gateway or making Agonor leap out of the way, not step out of the way. You have to leap out of its way. <laughs> so it's like really making a forsaken jump, which is great. And that's also a little bit about don't stare at my girl's ass yes. and lick your lips 100% at the same it's time. It's 100% his motivation. If yeah. you um, 
take someone who's just been introduced to the AIL, but we don't have the breakaway and we don't have the Kooladin showdown and we don't have the Shido mix and you, you let them read that chapter with Merrick and you take out references mm -hmm. that they're actually the baddies in that, mm -hmm. you'd go like, man, that's what a great Aiel chapter because it's just raw Aiel mm. faced with it mm -hmm. and it's just like, let's sing our song, Dance the Spears. I don't think there are even references to them being baddies in there because it's from their point of view and to them they're doing the honorable the thing, the right thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a great chapter. Like I love that special mention for me as well. It was it was moving. Yeah, it felt like man, this is not the way that I want to feel about Shido dying. No. Okay, so now after many hours of recording, let's have. We don't have to dive too deep into this. I mean, we do it as we go along, but let's talk about the book as a whole. Is there anything that you guys wanted to talk about? Uh, any specific character arcs? We always sort of focus on the pacing mm -hmm. and stuff. Jody has some notes that he wants to go mm -hmm. through. So what you got there, Joe? I have notes on paper with a pen. Whoa, look at you. Um, this is Fancy. Yeah. Old school, bro. <laughs> um, favorite, I've got like favorite moments from the books in general. What I liked, there's a, there's a, a general theme mm -hmm. <laughs> running throughout this book of uh, what and Vili used the same word in the beginning of the recording come up yes. <laughs> a lot of come upins mogidian mogidian gets mind trapped Elviaran gets masana's attention mm -hmm. which she thinks is a good thing but is a bad mm -hmm. thing um elida gets usurped by Elviaran. Mm -hmm. galina is captured by savanna and thevara colavia kills herself after Rand puts her in her place. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's trying to fuck with somebody gets their comeuppance. Mm -hmm. Suroth loses Morgaze. She mm -hmm. has her. Mm -hmm. uh, Rand kills Samael. Mm -hmm. And the Windfinders get a shitty bargain. Those are my notes. Ah. So, fuck all you smug bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Crown of comeuppance it should be. Yes. <laughs> I Those are my notes for the entire I have a uh, feeling that this book could have been called Matt the Man of Memory. Um, for me, this this entire book, the the we had the Perrin Arch before, saving the two rivers mm -hmm. and that massive development. There isn't mm -hmm. enough space for Perrin to fill this book with massive stories, so there isn't a lot for Perrin. Uh, but Matt mm -hmm. really dominates his, his character arc along with Elaine for me is the yes. big domination and we have got mm -hmm. very light ending of Egwene in this book we don't we haven't mm. read about her now mm. this whole episode i think last time we just touched on her um she also has a major development but for me the over biggest thing and my favorite moment of the book is matt and matt's whole development mm. bringing his memories in finally bringing mm -hmm. his Tavira in and not for gambling. Like initially he mm -hmm. did all of these things. It's like with some, with my dice cup and coin, I can just ride mm -hmm. my life. But eventually he's like, hey, I can do more with this. And this is what, yeah. what this book has done. Mm -hmm. It's taken Matt from being the, the guy that plays two shoe dice in the, in the corner to the general <laughs> that made the plans for Bashir. I mean, they lost no men except for Wireman's men. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
And we all knew that was going to happen with Byron. Byron is still Idiot. alive. <laughs> Idiot. Die already. Idiot. Yeah. Um, but no, yes. It's Truval. Like he, he uses his Tavernus to like find the bowl. He's sort of taken all this responsibility mm. when Rand sends him to find Elaine and Egwene and to rescue them. He's leading the band of the Red Hand, you know, which is now of considerable size. Um, he's taken on Olver, you know, like he's, he's really um, stepping into that sort of leadership role. He's given his army to Egwene, the band. Like those guys, yeah. he's already equipped her with another army with Gareth. Like there's so much that yeah. Matt interplays in this book. This is not really a book for me about Rand. There's like, okay, Rand is out the box mm. and he's now skittish. And that's how he remains this whole book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nynaeve, okay, big moment. You know, she, Block. block's broken. Oh, like yeah, that's a very Nynaeve's big moment. moment and married now. And married. Like, we should celebrate those things, but I don't mm. tend to like to celebrate forced oh. marriages because Land didn't have a say. It was just... <laughs> but he wanted it. I was about to say, Land got his comeuppance. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned Elaine, Bill. Like, her, yeah, her uh, growth in this book is, like, is huge. What else... We did get some of Egwene and like just the like the beginnings of her building a power base in the Rebel Aes Sedai. Like now she's getting these people sort of like swearing fealty to her. Like, okay, cool. She's got um, mm-hmm. Thaulane and uh, Theodrin, Theodrin now, coming up of, to the like, front. Uh, Morel and who was well, – there was another Aes Sedai with Morel. They've sworn fealty to, to Egwene now as well. And she's she's – Calling in Sherium and the rest, mm. and she's 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 starting to make moves now. Like she's been paralyzed in this sort of this position of like token Amelin for a little while, but with Swan's help, she's mm. she's now she's starting to build something, and um, that's exciting because we all know how I feel about Egwene. Nynaeve also healed Swan in the end. Oh yeah, very very huge. big things. That's <laughs> so the much healings of, of stilling. That's yeah. a, like there's a lot that was learned, and there's also a lot mm-hmm. that was extracted from a Gideon. So, I mean, this is mm-hmm. the, the book where, okay, everyone levels up. Like traveling now yeah. becomes a thing. Uh, skimming. Uh, well, Gideon levels most, down. Yeah, she gets she gets caught in a mind <laughs> trap. Yeah. but Elida, down. Down. <laughs> but the, 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 we are gearing up for a battle and everyone gets weapons. Like the armies are a, building the a final battle, one might call it. Yes, some might call it the, the final <laughs> battle. <laughs> this has also been the longest eight days of my life. This book, I think it's seven days. I mean, I don't want to split hairs, but <laughs> shut up, Boris. Make. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, it is. It's incredible. We always talk about pacing at the end of these books, right? And this one, I feel like. Mm. My memory of it is completely bonkers, right? Like I, I used to think this whole Ibudar thing stretched out so long, but for all the reasons we've mentioned a million times before, sure, it wasn't all sword fights and stuff, but mm. actually it's all great. I enjoyed this book thoroughly. Yeah. I thought it was fucking awesome. I'm, I'm loving, I well, loved this book as well now that we're done with it. Good old book. A couple other things happened. Uh, just the introduction of Moradin and the concept of the true power. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, just yeah. those minor events. That little thing. Uh, the golem. Yeah. Who's yeah. not uh, dead yet. Yeah. The hunt for the... Him too. No, the hunt for the Black Archer in the tower has begun. Mm. Um, let's not forget the death of Pedro Denial. 
mm-hmm. the forming of Morgase's party, including Bauer. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's that's all happening now. The Sean Chan making a massive advance. They've taken the Fortress of the Light. They've, so so Amadisia mm-hmm. is theirs. And now and they've just landed at Ibudar. Oh. They're about to just take take charge. Um the arrival of a certain Cadswain. Huge. Yes. Huge. And yeah. you touched on Colavia's fall earlier as well. I mean, there is so much stuff. When you we list all these things, it's all it feels impossible that all those events have been crammed into one of these books. And yet here we are. It all happened. We say that every at time. The end of every book. I know. Like if you, <laughs> <I know. laughs> you you go back and just start listening. But isn't that amazing? Holy shit. Yeah. I really like that. It's almost as if Robert Jordan planned these books. <laughs> did a good job. It's almost, yeah, it's almost yeah. like he did a good job. Gerald had some comments about the book as a whole. As a whole. Let it rip, Jerry. He says, my previous email talked about the slog. So this is me editorializing again. Gerald obviously considers Crown of Swords as part of the slog, uh, which I don't. I mean, for all the reasons we just mentioned. Um, and how going through the book slowly at the same time as the podcast means you get to get all the nuances out of the text. So it was great to find all those nuggets of gold. But then also the aftermath of Dumai's Wilds and Kyrian, the Bowl of the Winds and the fun Matt, Elaine, Nynaeve shenanigans that went along with that, the taking of Ilian and the crossing of the Balefire streams, the cool practice sword battle, and then the fog, Egwene and getting people to swear fealty, Land running off to find Nynaeve, Morgidian getting mind trapped, and of course Cat Swain arriving. Oh, yay. Whoop. <laughs> and everyone's favorite Gerald pretty much echoing everything that we've that we've been saying so Vili did you already say what your favorite moment from the book oh no it was mm, yeah that was me favorite moment from what the have book you said Matt yeah. yes Matt's character arch Matt. arc is mine in this book yes. this is his book yeah how about you Joe no that's what I thought the comeuppance oh the comeuppance that's my favorite moment okay. It's it's kind of like the uh, the Empire Strikes Back for the bad guys in this case, you know, yeah. like the second movie when everyone's down on their luck, all the bad guys are down on their luck, and it ends with like Samael dying mm-hmm. and you know Mogidian's mind trapped and, and the Black Archers, yeah, like everything's everything's going bad for the side of the dark at this mm-hmm. moment in this book. I imagine there's going to be a resurgence of that in the next book. Yeah. We need to see them come back a little bit and pose a bit of a threat. My favorite moment is hard to choose. There's a couple of things. I mean, there's some obvious ones like Nynaeve's block getting removed, healing of stilling, you know, mm. those are those are all cool, like very specific moments. But um for me, things that stood out a lot, the the fog attack thing, that whole event is like a big moment for me. Um uh, Matt's relationships with Birgitta and Elaine, I really enjoyed. Like I love Matt's relationship with Birgitta in particular, is really fucking cool. And it's just like brought right to the surface with that Barashandan Lord, you know, response to the thing that she says about mm. Truth's Honor and all that sort of stuff. Another section that I didn't expect to hit as hard was that march into Kyrian after Dumai's Wells, that slow ratcheting up of the tension, like them riding up to Kyrian, you know, and then coming into the city and everything's quiet and then encountering the guards at the gates and then getting through there and then getting to the to the um the palace itself and then having the Ashaman like wrapping up those guards in the in the one power and then going in through the halls and like their footsteps echoing through the hall and then they get to the throne room and Colavir is there and then Rand's to Varen nature like making Colavir confess to everything that happened and then eventually she passes yeah. out and everyone streams out. Like that whole stretch was I thought just really, really well written and um really stuck with me but my favorite moment that literally 
I almost cried. I was so happy when I read this. Was Elaine besting this Isodai that thought they had her in a trial? Like ah, when they yes. when they were trying to like when they were like the the fucking cold anger I felt at them even hinting at like taking a slipper to her. Are you fucking kidding me? And then Elaine getting that note from Carrot and then just like no this is bullshit and she just puts her foot down and they all like they are slack jawed Merrill and like some of the other eyes that are like their mouths are agape they're like oh fuck and then van dean sort of going hmm okay no this is this is good i like this yeah don't worry <laughs> we'll fall into place you are the strongest mm. here and yes you're right the amelin sent you okay you called our bluff you're in charge now um, just fucking love that. That was that's definitely my favorite. You're an Elaine Elaine fan. I mean, you and Vannon will have to fight for position as her, <laughs> <laughs> as her number one. Um, and then we've got some favorite moments from the book from both Richard and Gerald as well. Richard's <laughs> Richard goes, my favorite moment of the book is Matt being master of the blades. This is before <laughs> when Richard said that he's not going <laughs> yeah. to pick that as his favorite moment from the from the section, but he says uh, it comes out of nowhere. Jokes. And I imagine it makes everyone else say, what the fuck was that? And it is described like everyone's like, huh? How did Matt do that? Mm. Uh, which is great. Gerald's got four favorite moments. <laughs> Gerald, busy man. Uh, there many. The practice sword fight, which, yes, is a very cool fight. The conversation with Colavier mm-hmm. and her being affected by the Taveran nature of Rand. Uh, the growth of the Ashaman in both stature, ability, and presence. If you think about it, the Ashaman really like announce their arrival at Dumai's Wells, right? That's the first time you see suddenly yeah. they, and I mean, what an entrance they make. And then by the end of this book, that it's just one book. So just in these seven or eight days, they are a recognized presence. Like, you know, they are talking over Cad Swain. They are Rand's trusted advisors. You know, like he sends everyone out of the room so he can talk to them. They are, and now they're charging into Ilian into battle. John and Adley and the other Ashaman are attacking Samal and fighting him in the hill forts. The Ashaman. I I was worried that when I reread the series, the Ashaman would feel like they are just suddenly thrown into the mix and we just have to accept that they are now also a force. Mm. But it is actually done so well and mostly off page, which I think helps and, you know, works in their favor. And they only drop in to do these like huge things. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yes. Okay. They are. They are serious. So, um, yeah, I resonate with that favorite moment, Gerald. Like their presence now is established and unquestionable. Like, you know, they are large and in charge. This is this is how I remember them before we started this recap. Mm. And then like the first six books, you're like. Where are these guys? Yeah. What's happening? You know, like because they were they they are from now on such a major part Huge. of the story. That's all I remember from that Path of like Daggers is the fights yeah. with the Sean Chan and the Ashaman and the Lightning and Kalandor and all that stuff. That's all I remember from it. Um, so yeah, mm. they are huge. Then Gerald's last one is just how much the ice that I think of themselves and how rubbish their knowledge really is. Haha, ice die. Okay, gentlemen, we've done it. We are halfway through the series, which means that next time on Blood and Ashes, we will be starting The Path of Daggers. I always thought it was A Path of Daggers, but it's The Path of Daggers. Ooh. <laughs> Pedantic, are we? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case you thought I might have dropped my pedantry. No. Um, we will be doing two chapters. First, the prologue called Deceptive Appearances and Chapter 1 called to keep the bargain hmm. mm. 
Mm. I've started already last night. I, I got up to I got up to just after the meeting in the Black Hills. Okay. Which was cool. I've got a lot to say before about we, that. Before we switch over to the ice. I've also oh, I've yeah. almost finished chapter one. I've I've also just gone ahead. Right. And it picks up right here. You know, like it's yeah? like no, I haven't got that it's far. Immediately after. Um you'll see. You'll see. Um in fact you will see will. in our next episode. But until we do that recording, I will say unto thee, sleep well and wake. Adios, everybody. Very good evening.